I so, don't know where to look. <laughs> you can look everywhere. You can look at Jeff. If you have to. Yeah, you can look at Pat. <laughs> yeah. And, every, and then everyone Pat. thinks I'm sat on an umpire yeah, chair. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, we can, we'll just look up there from there. Everyone's yeah. always shocked. Continue, when, continue down there, boys. <laughs> <laughs> everyone's shocked when they meet you, Pat, because they think he's six foot nine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Him, I love how he's sidetracked already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you're, you're a man of many talents. You have a channel. You have a company element games yeah you're also artist opus is your yes. baby as well yeah so um everything i do has been shared with greg who's kind of silently behind the scenes being smarter than i am but yeah <laughs> <laughs> so he started element i think it's 11 years ago now that was my first thing in the hobby that was like a business mm. um i was commission painter before that as well ah, yeah that was yeah. gonna be my question was like where did you start yeah, i cut my teeth in the hardest of ways <laughs> so, <laughs> so, say, is this where all the dry brushing came from yeah yeah Smashing. Yeah. yeah, just ruthless, soulless efficiency. Actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> God, I wish I had that when I came to painting. <laughs> so we were at uh, the expo and you kindly tutored me in some dry brushing techniques. Yeah. I've, I've taken some of those on board and I've been using them. Um, You'd been doing not... some of them already, actually, which was kind of, yeah, I've got a board down there, which is kind of like well, some of the things we spoke about yeah. you had been doing, but hadn't necessarily thought about it. Yeah, yeah. It was interesting because um, my mate Steve, um, he's quite a big painter he's yeah. been doing it for years and i'd say a very good painter and he was like learning lots from it but um from my point of view i've been doing dry brushing for years i think it is one of the the best ways to paint i heard, used to hear it so often that it's like yeah it's just a, a rubbish way start of with this yeah it's a basic and, and when when you use you, it when your you, bases yeah <laughs> that's it bases <laughs> myself, and myself, scenery myself, yeah but i always used to find it really weird like it was really hard to describe in words um until you showed someone how to do it so if it's if it's hard to describe in words, it's not that basic, but it is really really useful. Yeah, you let the model paint itself via your brush that has some paint on it. It's yeah. probably the, well, the thing that baffles me. Or like me. relief painting, I guess. Yeah, yeah, no, I'd say so. Yeah, because I mean that's that, that. I guess the everything belittles it though, doesn't it? Because you could say layering, you're like, well, just putting paint on top of it, but layering can look beautiful. Like anything can look beautiful. It's just washing can look beautiful. Yeah, it really can. I, I really pulled it on, and I do trigger some of our viewers when I do that. Oh yeah, yeah. I pull it on more just for to that. the point where you do it on purpose. <laughs> you, and, and the like not drilling my barrels. Yeah, and then in the VO you're like really slather it on, <laughs> drench, drown it, old oil. Yeah, yeah. Just one day I'm just gonna actually just dunk it into a pot and pull it out again. I <laughs> did that on an April Fool's video actually. That sounds like the best way to paint a model with it. it it's, <laughs> it's surprisingly less bad than you think as long as you have somewhere to shake yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Like the old dipping yeah really. That's, yeah. that's how I learned to paint, which probably yeah. describes a lot about why I paint now, actually, yeah. So when we were at Expo, you talked through some stuff. Um, a very interesting little technique where you did 45 degree angles, which I'm sure you'll go into. Um, but the thing I found really fascinating was how you made dry brushing look like air brushing. And yeah. It still baffles me. And I... I still get a bit of chalkiness every now and again when I do my stuff, but I, I know that I'm what I'm doing it for tends to be like for a texture. Yeah. Once moving aside, a bit of moisture into it and sometimes a bit of hit and miss, but you've got a very uh, interesting method that stops it being hit and miss. Yeah, it's just tr everything is... Because I could just lick my brush now and do the same thing, right? But it's much harder to digest things without numbers attached. And this is why, you know, you'll get exactly what's that ratio and you're like, the ratio does not matter, put it in the right place. Um, but at least a stepping on point for a lot of things makes a difference. So we have a little sponge called the dampening pad. Yes. Catchy name. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> we got to a point like, shit, we need to name this. <laughs> what do we call it? Oh, that's, yeah. That's what it's called. Because otherwise, what are you going to call it? Like, 
Squishy pot? I don't know. Squishy pot. Squishy pot. Did you so, have to have a meeting about we, what it was going to be called? It was, it was yeah, I always minute. get post office flashbacks whenever I look at Oh, yeah. Mine. Yeah. Yeah, for the. Co- oh, exactly the same reason. Yeah. So you take the brush that you're using, and that, you know, that's bigger or smaller, and you put up to three brushes for cleaning. Sorry, three drops off the back of your brush for cleaning. I need to dip into my tea now to do this, don't I? Um, <laughs> up to two for kind of base coat work, and then up to one for just working normally, and that releases a tiny bit of water into the paint. Because that it's definitely it's difficult to not get really like blunt about this now, but the paint is made to be diluted, right? Mm. It's only when people pick up a dry brush they forget everything they've learned about airbrushing, about dry brushing, about layering, or anything like that, and they're using a paint like Duncan called it two thin coats, like it is meant to be diluted. Yeah. 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 So why on earth, the moment you hold this brush, do you forget everything? Like absolutely everything that is a fundamental about how to get that paint to behave well, and no one's like, yeah, put it on neat, mate, off your pop. Yeah, yeah right. It's yeah. just it's it's going to lead to bad things. So yeah, that was the introduction of that was that's that's why it comes via the pot. Yeah, the, the using the back of the brush was a really clever way of <clears throat> organising the ratio of how much moisture you need to have. Because I always used to say like when I was at seminars, I was like, oh, I always had a bit of moisture. I'd have like a little wet patch on me tissue yeah, yeah. Uh, and we talked about this on yeah, the yeah. phone where I, actually weirdly i used to have a piece of wood and for years i've just started using tissue paper um and i've had a little bit of a moist area and i'd dry brush it and like i was doing skeletons you get nice smooth, yeah, yeah things are just getting better and yeah, yeah. And, it, and they're always like oh but when i do it it's really chocolate like, that's because you expect instant results on the first yeah, pass yeah, yeah. you've got to build it up it's like, you're like again that's something that you know like oh well my dry brushing didn't look good in half a second flat so yeah. why is it not perfect now well, like where does all of this stuff come from and it's just its own bespoke set of rules which is almost like miniature painting in general where they're like oh you're going to use a wooden palette are you that's very modern no it's about five thousand years old or more right (laughs) yeah the old artist there with the wooden palette yeah yeah yeah. like like if you put in paint on like whatsapp or anything a brush comes up and a palette comes up that's not a new idea either no but we just love forgetting rules and then putting things in their own little box and yeah. yeah, yeah. I got told off for using the word fascinating um, because apparently, as a British person, it sounds really sarcastic. But um, no, I fascinating. Find, yeah, yeah. <laughs> really, really draw it out. Yeah, fascinating, fascinating, um, <laughs> or extremely camp. But yeah, they're basically yeah. the same thing. But yeah. I find it, I found it very interesting mm-hmm. um, from uh, say, like, from chatting to you before or or what have you. Is that say, like. Everything you said about dry brushing, like I, I, I don't think I've ever diluted paint when I've dry brushed or anything like that. Yeah. And then seeing um, like what you've done with Artis Opus and the products you sell and how you demonstrate it, and I'm sort of like, wow, that's that's a really like new way of doing it. But actually, you've just gone backwards. New to, yeah, it's new to you now. Yes. But it's like, um, let's say you'd uh, the comparison I draw is like, let's say you learn to drive on private land in like a tractor, hmm. right? And then you get into your first proper driving lesson ever on a road and you just do exactly what you've been doing yeah it's probably not a good idea so actually, <laughs> and actually teaching someone who had never driven at that point for road driving might go a bit better than the person who's been driving for you know like yeah 10 years just you, like you around have, there with no rules or you whatever. have that interference so you have yeah. you have to unlearn before you start again and actually if someone sits down with their partner who's never painted but they have used makeup then there's a really good chance that they're going to pick it up faster yeah. than the person who's painted because mm. you're not fighting all these things that it's not anyone's fault they learnt the way they did you know you're doing your first base use this flat brush only go in one direction and you know put loads on and then take loads off rather than putting less on and taking less off which again is complete the moment you say it you're like oh sure like that that kind of makes sense that's interesting because I recently well in the last four years learned to drive a car I've been Mm -hmm. riding motorcycles for decades and I never needed a car 
because I was always like just going with motorcycle yeah. because I was at college and uni it made no sense to get a car then um, and then we had a child and I was like I should probably learn to drive and when I, it took me a longer to learn to drive a car yeah. because it was initially I was I was looking like I would I was as a motorcyclist I'm always looking quite far ahead yeah, yeah. and the, the instructor was like why are you looking that far ahead look closer there's all these things I need you to be aware yeah. of that are close I'm just like oh okay so it was really hard to learn that and then obviously the mechanics even though it's a, a motorised vehicle everything mm. was different everything I'd, everything's really far away from you in a car yeah, in yeah I'm just like it? that I'm just yeah, everything like, where's all my stuff or yeah. the things that I do in my feet in a car I do in my hands to a certain yeah, point, yeah, and the yeah. things I use my hands for, I I I'd use my feet for, which is like oh, yeah. really. <laughs> so everything's a bit like. I I, <laughs> I really really struggled um, when I was a teenager. One of my mates who had like a motorbike was like, "Oh, just just get on it and drive around this car park in like a village hall in the middle of nowhere." I know where this is going. Well, well, I didn't crash it, but um, <laughs> no, <I> did. <laughs> I'm I'm so so used to um, riding a push bike, and then one of the brake handles being the clutch, clutch yeah, I was yeah. just like my whole life is a lie yeah. get me off this thing <laughs> <laughs> my very first driving lesson he's like you know they get you to turn left straight away in yeah. the UK at least because it's easy yes. you're not crossing across someone so it's like oh this one does left he's like okay now turn right and I just <laughs> that's not an indicator on that side no. is it <laughs> <laughs> suddenly you know, the windscreen wipers are getting backwards and forwards <laughs> I still get I struck even now, because I, 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 I get the indicators now, because obviously where you turn and stuff yeah. makes sense for the wheel. But I'm just like, when it gets to night time, I'm like, which one's the headlight? Yeah. Which one's the flash that wants to come out? I want to flash them, but I might just put the, I don't know, the hazards, hazards on or yeah. Yeah. something like yeah. that. So I always get panicked. And Liz is like, you should go in the car more and, you know, do, do some more journeys, get used to it. I'm like, that's fine, I will, I will. It's a good indication <laughs> of how, like, taking on, once you've learned something in your head the original way whether that's right or wrong however you want to put it mm. it's pretty hard to kind of you've just got to regularly yeah. like go down the path again and again and again and again until something just stops being your default yeah yeah and that, yeah, that makes a lot of sense because I, 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 I definitely every lunchtime I, well every Thursday lunchtime I was doing these driving lessons and it was the same kind of route pretty much but it, that repetitive behaviour definitely helped a lot yeah of course which obviously works with painting yeah it's it very similar yeah it's interesting I mean, it was just like the the things that i guess are, <clears throat> there's a lot of stuff I, that I, I probably didn't do as well so um again it's not very visual the way we're talking about it but you you would like draw like lines of paint from yeah, the dropping bottles my, that's my wood. Got, yeah. yeah that's it hello i've brought my wood um, <laughs> which is wood <laughs> so you can you can you can see there's literally a washboard down there it's amazing and that's Clean which i use as, as well. a washboard for my brushes <laughs> specifically <laughs> i've only got one pair um, but yeah so that they're all drawn in lines and then to avoid taking too much rather than having like this great big splob mm. of paint and just don't use your dry brushes like a spoon like yeah. please no one ever like whatever they are don't use them like a spoon they're not made for that just sneak it off the edge of it yeah. and you draw it to the side and then you make a little circle there and you'll have the right amount on the very end of the bristles which is like you should only be doing stuff with the end of your bristles with a dry yeah, brush. Yeah. The middle of the brush doesn't have a purpose. That's there for in like two years time when you've worn down to it. <laughs> it has no function whatsoever apart from giving them the spring that they want. So like the top two to three mil of your bristles, that is where the paint should there and only there is where the paint should go a little bit and remove a little bit and then go to your model. Whereas, you know, like just Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which yeah. was again the April Fool's video. I think the moment we put that out, quite a few because we said like, look, if any of this this is what you're doing we're saying maybe question it 
so many people are like actually I hadn't thought about it like that but no it's, it's not a spoon <laughs> it was the so I used to read and uh, brush I guess upkeep of your brushes and stuff I, I'd just stick them in wash them clean them wipe them all off give them a yeah. bit of a dry sometimes use the old hair dryer give them yeah. a bit of a dry which might be terrible <laughs> it probably uh, is <laughs> they lasted well weirdly yeah. Um, but yeah just not using any water you know dipping your you dry brush into a pot of water. It's just no need. It just goes into the ferrules and it takes that liquid into the ferrules, which then damages uh, your brush. Uh, ever since having that little chat and sit down, I've, I've not washed my brushes the same way. Are they going okay? Oh, yeah, great. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Um, I've got the little uh, dampener pad as well, so I've been using that a lot. Um, I managed to, I thought, so I was saying to you on the phone that I used to have an old piece of wood that was yeah, on yeah. my brother's snooker table. Um, I used to use it all the time for dry brush, and I realised I still have that. It's what really? my PCs on. Can frame it. <laughs> it's just like a little tray that I just slide out. I was like, "That's because I, I had to get a graphics card because yeah. we were doing some um, streaming recently, and my old graphics, even though it can play lots of games, just wouldn't stream. It's just like, nope, because the drivers aren't updated. So I got a new one. I pulled it out. I was like, "There's the wooden thing I used to use." You can so, prime so, it, rechristen it. Exactly. Yeah. So it's quite. It's about that kind of size. So it's quite a, quite good, a decent size. A big like. A big place that you can make as messy as you want that isn't the actual desk itself, yeah. ideally. That is such a really brilliant tool for painting as well because if testing has no consequence and is com as convenient as possible, you'll do it. If there is any tiny barrier to entry to testing something, you just won't bother. Yeah. So, or, you know, making mistakes on your palette, that's a great place to make them. But if you're, let's say you've got a washout. Yeah kilos of wash however much wash you want and you've got some silver bits here and some gold bits here and some other bits there you can quickly dry brush them and then test your wash over that and that and that and yeah. that is exactly how it'll be on the model but there wasn't a consequence to that going wrong yeah and expect like for various reasons that's how everything should be if you're trying to be creative yeah yeah i think so that big you know the big wide space what do you think of these uh i've seen it's become a bit of a fad isn't it now of um <laughs> people just gluing bits of models to a uh, to a piece of board now and using that as a a way of getting their dry brush right. Have you seen this? It's another waste of time. So, marine bikes are in no, halves no. just loads of people just gluing loads of stuff Maybe to a isn't. piece of board. Oh, interesting. Yeah, like bits of, um, I've seen it where, yeah, somebody put bits of scenery and bits and bobs, sprayed it black and then they dry brush it. Yeah. It's not controversial if you wanted to paint like a cool thing in a frame and have that be the thing. But yeah. You've got models for painting like models. Yeah. So, um, like, you can't put your paint there in a practical way. Yeah. It'll yeah. be a dust magnet. So ours is like, there is some detail, and then I'll add on more detail, actually proportionally a lot more just by paint and use some repriming, and there'll be like a bit of flock on there and PVA and stuff. But it's not, like, obnoxiously 3D. Yeah. Because at that point, you're going you're gonna to start doing stuff to your brushes, and your quality of your paint job, a lot of it's to do with dust as well but you want to be able to clean in a way that isn't going to kill the brushes yeah and the more 3d something is especially if it gets kates and kates and kates you're it's the opposite of what you need basically because it'll get more and more porous as the edges pick up more and more paint yeah especially if you're using slightly matte paints in like four sessions that thing's going to be that's going to be detrimental to your painting Ooh. so you, you'd be better i'm not, not saying this try and sell my own stuff you'd be better to take a piece of plaster card, like an A4 piece or a piece of wood or anything like that, and then just like prime it and and start mixing up paint aggressively on it and just wait for that to be yeah. up. Yeah. If you were going to do it. That's very interesting. No. So only a controversial take if you're uneducated. Was <laughs> 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 what I took from that. <laughs> so it's like anything, right? If you, 
you've had brilliant painters on here and the way that Richard Gray would look at something and be like, how do I make that look like the thing is to stop, slow down and think really carefully from like stage one, what is the purpose? What am I, oh, it needs to look like this bit is bouncing hmm. off that or whatever. And that, in theory, that's what's holding all of us back from becoming that good as well as, you know, like 15 years of hardcore practice. But it's just considering what the purpose is that you're trying to get out of it, the properties of the material that you're using as well. And yeah. people don't think about the paint properties for the paint that they're dry brushing with either, even though they do for normal painting, matte, satin, gloss. Yeah. It's not, it's not part of anyone's thought process no, for I, dry brushing. I'd never thought of that ever. So, so how would, how would, a, how would that affect your dry brushing? Okay, it, what, can, what's like dry brushing with a matte paint like? Okay, so I can give you a really good analogy. If you think about your primer as the first the first layer, if I gave you like a house brush covered in emulsion, which is how we should all think of our painting, obviously. Yeah. Um, and I gave you like... That's what mine looks like. <laughs> <laughs> and I gave you a... I've got a super good texture palette for you. Um, and I gave you a like a fluffy bathrobe and a piece of glass. And I said, stroke one of those and stroke one of those. You get streaks down one. That's yeah. gloss. Like this is this is I'm this is like a magnified version of it. That's gloss. You get streaky. It wouldn't want to adhere to it particularly easy. And I gave you the bathrobe. All the little fluffy bits that stuck out, you'd instantly have dried paint on. Mm. So that is that is a matte primer and a yeah. sat, well a gloss primer, which yeah. is why I tend to just use Chaos Black as default for everything satin that's in the middle. I get the best of both worlds. And I also mm. start off primarily. People might notice that. I don't start off using matte paints in my painting process. They come in towards the end, almost always actually, with dry brushing this is. But I start off with GW because most of it's satin. I'll avoid a few like McCrag Blue, which for an unknown reason is the most matte paint by yeah, far in the it? range. Yeah, yeah. Completely different properties to basically any other paint I can think of that's not like towards the end of the yeah. value spectrum, like a white or something. Yeah. Corvus Black's quite matte as well, isn't it, if I remember right? that's like a really dark grey but yeah I never really thought about it so every now and again if, if you've had a paint job that has gone awry with dry brushing and you don't know why mm. it's very possibly because you just used a matte paint and you didn't think about oh that's you didn't get any worse you just yeah. and you can do it with the matte paints it's just you have to be that bit more careful and mm. you know cautious with your steps yeah that's because we use a lot of AK on the channel and they're very matte the third gen they are quite matte yeah, yeah. yeah. brilliant um, paints yeah but they, they they sent us some of the um, dual XO paints which they specifically say are satin so mm. That might be an interesting one to try. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Your what you've got, just like it, because your paint is a primer for everything that goes on after it. Yeah. Kind of by definition, I guess. Um, it the more spongy and absorbent it is, the more the moment you touch your brush to it, it'll just pull it out. The moisture that is. I've, there's got to be something said about. I've, I've used a lot of sprays um, recently, working with Pat. We get random things sent to us, and I find Chaos Black. Is so good. good. It, it it is so. I mean, I, I like I like using Mechanica Standard Grey. So I've said this to some people when I've been like doing tuition and stuff. Like, if you can't decide on like a color, grey's perfect because yeah, you can yeah. go either way with it. But if you know you like working from like dark colors to, to light, probably uh, black's great. If you're painting something yellow, maybe not black. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe go white. Uh, it might be easier. But I, I tend to find that grey and black tend to be the ones I use the most. But I always get really nice coverage with Chaos Black. I always have. And it's never failed me once. The We're in the UK as well. Failed. It's really good in humidity. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's an extremely unvolatile spray, mm. which when you're somewhere humid is pretty important, actually. Yeah. 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 It's, yeah. And when you're just hearing you talk about it, I was like, yeah, it is a really, really solid paint. Yeah, it's good. So, um, 
yeah, I've learned just by having like what? How long was it? Twenty minutes, thirty minutes? Just sat down with yeah. you. I learned tons about. We stippled a little box, didn't we? Basically. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it was it, the, the 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 way you built it up did like the finish was very looked like an airbrush, um, and then just doing that last punch of like a bright tone just on the edges yeah. and stuff was really really good. Ooh, you've got the yeah. Uh, Here's the one. Test you, you need it. You need edges for deception. Basically. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So whatever I've got going on, like if you look at the middle of any of those panels, I'll use some pictures of this afterwards or whatever. But if you look at the middle of any of these panels, it's not perfect at all. Um, it's darker here, and then it ends up lighter here. Yeah. But as soon as you draw a little line around the edge, yeah. where it can still be dry brushed as well. Your eyes just can look at that because that's how they're wired. You can't not do that. Same as if I put a transfer in the middle or anything. So that last 10%, as with anything, you know, you hold in, you hold in, it gets worse and worse and worse and worse, and you're like, oh, I'm bothering. Then you put, you get to just the home straight. Yeah. Suddenly things look okay. Yeah. yeah. It does a lot for it just to have the little... I find that when I'm doing scenery. Yeah, yeah. It always seems a bit like, oh, is this going to work? And you just do that last light. Yeah, I, yeah, I tend yeah. to do boner over everything, even like yeah, the yeah. wood. <laughs> and it just makes it look really nice. Yeah. And just like, oh, mm. fantastic. But yeah, it's it, it was quite a learning curve and seniors stab and stipple. Yeah. In the a bit more aggressive than you well. thought. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You're yeah, like far more aggressive. Really, <laughs> <laughs> really, really say so like gentle on the palette and then aggressive with the model is if like as a general rule of thumb. Yeah, why why are you enjoying that? <laughs> that sounds like <laughs> look good, look better. Um have it. Yeah. <laughs> now really like careful loading the brush. But then the moment you've not put too much paint on the brush at that point, like the brushes are incredibly resilient. Like the reason to use round ones and with a high quantity of fine quality hair that is literally fine as well is because you've got as many things as possible. It's called the packing with brushes or the fill jammed into a tiny space. Mm. And as long as you don't like run the brush against itself, you can be so aggressive with them. Yeah. And nothing, nothing untoward will happen I mean, whatsoever. You've got one that's what, two, three years? I brought, I brought it with me actually, yeah. <laughs> I know it's, it's a factory reject, so it's got a dink in the ferrule. Oh, uh, cool. So that's, I've, I think I, I picked that one up just prior to lockdown and it still looks surprisingly good. It's amazing. There's yeah, no, just... there's no paint. It hasn't got to the danger zone by the ferrule. I was going to say, sort of yeah. the flesh, but yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, it, it's done well. Have you got a name for it, like Old Reliable or something like that? It needs <laughs> I, feel, I, should do, I should do it at this stage, shouldn't I? <laughs> I started naming my paintbrushes. I'm not going to say what they are. <laughs> no, that's... Same that's, name as my sword. That's, <laughs> that's painting phase after dark. I'm so um, mercenary with mine. They just get... I do have... If People might notice, actually, the back of my brushes tend to have a colour on them. So if, if it doesn't have a colour, it's new enough to be fancy. And then it is... Um, it's black for metallics and it's red for just like really really old basically mm. but um something i'd always encourage people to do is if you retire a brush before it's completely fucked like that that is ideal um so re retire it at that point um and then use it for the task that are the most abusive mm. while it still actually has some form it doesn't need a point at all you know your base coating brush doesn't need the best point ever yeah but if you take like a good chunky like a size three or something and you retire it before it's awful that brush will go for so long and every time you use a brush like that you're extending the life of every single one of your other brushes because this yeah. is the it's like your, your wellies yeah no yeah. I, I, something I've, I've been doing a lot and some of them get really battered so I've, I, I really I, do I don't I get, I've got like a couple of base coat standard brushes whichever company you use like you know, the 
big number threes or whatever and they eventually become like my <coughs> rimming brush yeah. so I use it all the time for like just doing rims because yeah, yeah. I don't need a point I just want a nice yeah, yeah. in fact I want that so yeah, it yeah, just, yeah. Like, just goes around the, the rim quite nicely and then I, when they start to get a certain point they become my super fine dry brushes which sounds yeah, really yeah, bizarre yeah. but when you, you try and get into like some really niggly no, bits completely. I just like just a little bit here I've and got there. an old an old M1 which is now doing basically every task in the world but <laughs> you can do ta- you, you can do micro dry brushing easily yeah. as well and yeah. stippling it's almost like they have a life yeah, yeah, yeah. With like different yeah. tasks as they get older they just become a bit more like oh so I'm just doing your feet now yeah. Like <laughs> yeah I'll go for so long though like it's really it's really really interesting the thing is paint has to, to make paint more effective to take it beyond like a layer paint hmm. basically every single thing that isn't a layer paint is much more abusive than a layer paint and however long ago only layer paints existed essentially yeah. everything before yeah. when it was the base range yeah. from Citadel or heavy opaques from Vallejo, I think they were called. Every single paint was just like a fairly nice, child-friendly acrylic that isn't going to kill your brushes. Mm. It's not going to cover a model very effectively either. Mm. But since then, every single advancement in paint almost has made paint more abusive to brushes, which is worth thinking about because anything that's heavy coverage, like your foundation paints, your base paints, they're more abusive. Um, contrast gets right down into the ferrule and it does yeah. some nasty stuff. Yeah. The new washes as well. Yes, like yeah. any speed painting stuff, anything, all of it is way more physically abusive on brushes than paint was 20 years ago. Something I found quite interesting about contrast. And that's why Byron started a brush company. I noticed with contrast paint that um, I'd usually give my brushes a good clean but then I'll be using sometimes the same brush to, to apply some contrast and you just get those little bits and I'm yeah, like, you what do. the hell's going on here? And I found that the contrast paint is almost like a paint stripper. Yeah. It just seems to, so I, used, I, used, I have a pot medium now, which I just use to clean my brushes. <laughs> <laughs> so I just get in there and give it a wash. Paints are best broken down by themselves, aren't they? They, yeah. they layer over themselves better and they're broken down by themselves better. So Mad. That makes sense, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's weird. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about that. So, I mean... I don't know if we should go back to like maybe <coughs> commission and work our way forward. Actually, that might be a better way. Yeah, wherever yeah. you'd yeah. like to start. Oh, at the beginning. Yeah, at the beginning. <laughs> God, that's a long. T- that's a long time ago now. I brought my first white dwarf actually because that's something I wanted to put on the table and ask you questions about later. Uh oh. So that's that'll give that'll give you a, a literal date of my first time in the hobby ever. But yeah, I was commission painter for somewhere between one and two years before mm. starting Element, wow. and my thing was. Like I said, like I joked about like absolutely soulless speed and efficiency in paying. So that was my I wasn't doing like high end jobs. I was getting at the time it was Necrons, actually. Mm. I just I got featured in um like a GW online article. I did one, it was like a white, white shoulder pads, dark metal scheme with blue glowy bits. Oh, cool. And I, I got typecast <laughs> very effectively oh, as wow. you that get... type of Necrons and then as just Necrons in general. So about ninety percent of what I painted for. Oh. Two years was just Necrons. Wow. Yeah. I didn't Never know been able could... to watch Terminator again. <laughs> 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 I didn't I suspect that it was good though, because they're very simple models. Yeah. Mm. It could have been like Blood Angels or something, couldn't it? That would have been dreadful. Yeah. Lots of bases. Yeah. Cut all the bits off as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you get renowned for painting the, I don't know, Horus Heresy uh, resin. Primarchs in oh, incredible detail. Mm. What's it? Some rosary beads. And oh, you were talking about that before. Yeah. Yeah. Too many rosary beads these days on 40k models. Yeah. Yeah. Sigma. So it was, a lo- it was a lot of Necrons and I was like, find a coloured spray, um, wash it, then dry brush it, 
bendy the glowy bits and then pick something striking that's fairly efficient, which was Deneb Stone on repeat with white oh, added. Deneb Stone. Oh, that was a colour. Mm. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm um, familiar with that one. That and charred and granite. Imagine, like, I guess, Pallid Witch Flesh, but better. It's, yeah. got, it's okay. like slightly, what, bonier than Pallid oh, Witch Flesh. You could use flesh. it for so many things, oh, yeah. couldn't you? Yeah, it was, it was such a good colour. Oh, it's great. <laughs> pale sand sort of scenario yeah I guess so but it's, it's like yes less yellowy but yeah it's, yeah. it's such a good uh, those foundation paints to be fair were really good solid paints and they, com- they completely informed a painting style didn't they which yeah. I think people have Ninjon touched on this recently in a video actually like very recently a couple of days ago like people have almost forgotten the base it slightly lighter than you would think yeah. then wash it because it was bases and shades yeah. and now it's you know do whatever and then put contrast all over it Mm. But they completely informed a painting style, didn't mm. they? Those, yeah. they? Those two ranges when they released it, it was like seven or nine washes as well. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't many. They were incredible. It was so good. Stunk like hell. Yeah, they did. <laughs> they really did. <laughs> we found out recently they've got bits of like organic matter in it and stuff, but it it's the, goes off. I know. If, nice. I, if I open my cupboard and I have a bit of a sniff, I know where my uh, devil and muds are. <laughs> <laughs> like a bloodhound. Yeah. It's yeah. down around the back there. It's in here somewhere. <laughs> they were brilliant though, weren't they? So yeah, that was I, I painted using washes a huge amount, dry brushing a huge amount, that I, I kind of started thinking, I think there's more to the technique at that point, but I hadn't really done it massively. Um, that was my way of painting, which was informed by dip painting, mm. which is actually my, my very first like mass production was just find a red spray which was from Halfords cool. or yeah. something and you know if you were painting a thing just whatever I did I worked out how to dip it Yeah, and that's how I painted everything for what were you your armies before yeah. you started becoming a commission painter my, my personal armies I had I had one ogre army and one chaos army that I spent far too long on mm. always fantasy um, don't care about tanks personally I like painting them but there's no love for them <laughs> um so it was always fancy armies, and I had one Chaos Warriors army, which I spent forever on the snow on, and it turned yellow. Oh, oh no. I know. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, You've been there, haven't you? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's really, really sad when that happens. And then I picked an Ogre army, and I did that fairly slowly, because I liked the big Gruffle Tusk mm. things. And I really, I think the Ogre range is actually really nice. Yeah. Um, so they, that was it. But then I just, I just went completely headfirst into painting Necrons on repeat, actually. Yeah, I mean... It's interesting because I, obviously you two guys are quite big into 40k, uh, whereas I'm more of a, a fantasy at heart. I mean, yeah. I, I do 40k stuff and I've got a lot of fondness for it, but I do find that most of my sort of itches are fantasy based. So yeah, yeah. I, I sympathise that. I know the ogres, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I hope they get a bit of a revamp, some more bits and bobs to them. Cause yeah. If, if you've seen the Underworld sort of pirate guy, the Buccaneer, if, he's really cool. I want to see more stuff. So much that. stuff comes out for Underworld. It's, it's just like almost. Yeah. It's, unrelenting isn't it and there's all these cool touchstones and ideas like oh assassin is given right yeah yeah, well, yeah i hope that happens i hope that happens yeah, well, they, they did, does. Yeah. They did <laughs> a nice <laughs> range of um like character ogres years ago didn't they they did like a ninja ogre oh yeah that was the man eaters yeah and then yeah. one that looked like he was he, he lived out in the desert he was like his face was called yeah. in a shemag and things like that and they so they did that before and i thought that was a because the miniatures are so big they really allow loads of that sort of adding character to go this guy's very individual. He's from this part of the world, yeah. and, you know. And I thought there was a really nice things because I always never and, and I did fantasy, but only under confrontation with Rackham's confrontation. So I played ogres, but their ogres didn't look like no, nothing like Warhammer ogres because I used to go, oh, could I squeeze them in? You could. They were just so completely different. You couldn't. But I always thought the ogre range was lovely back in the yeah. day, and it they had about some really the scale as well. I hadn't thought about it like that because before things started getting a bit bigger, apart from vampires who were shrinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I don't know why that is. Um, 
they were they were like the original chunky boys, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, giants were like the next size, and that was it. And then you'd get like I remember them saying like the giants, the biggest kit we've done. And I was like, oh, cool. And now nowadays that's puny in comparison to like some of the plastics that are coming out. Mm-hmm. Like the dragon, like the Stormcast dragon, it's just like it's huge. huge. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's yeah, vast, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Really, really, I mean, it's, it's a great model. Yeah, the only thing, oh, sorry, bugbear with that is you get like a couple of builds like the the head. Uh, for this particular dragon, I forget what his name is now. It's one of the um, Grundis. That's it. Thank you, um, Norman. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's a few like sort of like bits you can change it, but it's both the same pose. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. If you just like had a different sort of joint in there to to make it slightly mm. re tweak it, that, that's my only bugbear with that kit. But it's a beautiful kit to paint. The texture on it is sublime, and the baby drakes as well. I think they're, mm. they're a little bit of dynamic posing or just like nature reference away from being so good, but the texture's wonderful. Yeah. Like really, like they will paint themselves Yeah, if you're careful about it. If we do it the Byron way. Yeah, yeah. for sure. <laughs> yeah. So on your Necron Painting Crusades, um, was that where you were kind of like dry brushing and these brushes I'm using, are, what were you using at the time? So I was using, I was using original dry brushes, then I went to an art shop and I bought some more of that type. And I think that was like flats, basically. Yeah. And I think that's what started me off thinking there's something wrong here because they were uh, they were higher quality ones and they lasted longer, but they still did that, mm. which like became toilet brushes. Um. Um, and you definitely couldn't stipple with them. And in fact, it's only when you start using round ones, you start being able to stipple without, you know, like instantly killing stuff. So at that point, I raided a girlfriend at the time's makeup bag and I came out with like a really resilient synthetic kind of like tongue-shaped brush um which was only good for left and right dry brushing but was very very good for that and then this chunky don't know what it was yeah a round brush and i started using those and that was the point where i was like actually i think there is something here um there wasn't very much hair in them but when you got the right amount of paint on it that's when i started being able to do oh i could do my edges so because i was the croissant the necron vehicle Mm. um (laughs) <laughs> what else are you going to call it? The way that I would paint was I would try and involve airbrushing, dry brushing, and washing and everything. Because if one takes care of, you know, just general colours, one's the raised areas, and then one's the recesses, but it also knocks back bad airbrushing or bad dry brushing and makes it a little less chalky. So, like the holy trinity, if you will, for speed. I tried to use that for everything, and I realised that I could get the edges with a dry brush then if you did circles. And that was kind of the start of me thinking, like, if there was a... I just wanted a bigger one. Yeah. Always wanted a bigger dry brush. <laughs> Don't one. we all? <laughs> Give it a couple of months. Oh. So, um, seemed to be copied by everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I had this this big brush, but I wanted an even bigger one. Um, and when, when I found one that was as close as possible, I realised how much time you could save just by buffing all it. Like, buffing... It's like you're kind of... In, trying to dust off a model yeah 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 and that's when i had the real breakthrough i think and that's when people started telling me that i wasn't dry brushing yeah and you know you had to say that a compliment what were you oh i was in they'd look at it because there was airbrushing involved even though you can't airbrush edges somehow it was the the responsibility of the airbrush that stuff ended up like that oh of course yeah obviously that's it's interesting because i remember when i moved into the studio and uh, mark jones did a lot of scenery and he was just like because I'd initially like dry brush like left and right up and yeah, yeah. down just try not to get across the, the grain yeah yeah, yeah yeah absolutely I always used to say that as well go against the grain or whatever 
and uh, sometimes you have lots of text you're like well we're doing it in different directions and Mark was like why don't you just do circular motions and just take your time because yeah. that's what you used to do senior all the time and get a really nice effect yeah, in the scenery yeah. and I was like I never thought about that sometimes you get like crop circles if you're not careful because uh, I was still learning at the time I was like mm, why is that all swirly he's like because you're not removed enough you idiot I'm like oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> well, you get it. if you're doing a circle you get them on like the upstroke or the downstroke yeah. if it was a flat brush because while well, it's going across or at an angle yeah. it's right but the moment everything's dragged in there it's like you're doing calligraphy mm. almost isn't it you just get like a, a smear yeah that's when they used to happen yeah, yeah. turn out to weather in after a while yeah I'm absolutely chip it. well it's just like basing isn't it that's where the tufts go yeah well, you can't, yeah. can't do that on the side of a tank quite yeah. <laughs> if it's Nurgle you could yeah absolutely yeah. <laughs> do whatever the hell you want with Nurgle I think can't you yeah absolutely so I see my paint you know I do <laughs> so commissioning went well it was, yeah, it was, I really liked it, actually, and I learned a lot, um, kind of like perversely. I think I'd love to go back now and try it and just see. Yeah, yeah. I know it'd be really hard, and I, I don't want to do it as don't a job. Don't judge me, a model like that. <laughs> you get loads of comments. Oh, <laughs> well, everyone. apparently Siege are higher, and I've seen an advert today, so. <laughs> that would go full circle. I started started AO with James. Oh, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, yes, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'd really like to try it now. So I did, I did commission for a bit, um... And then, basically, so how it would go would be, I was I was painting for people who wanted armies. It wasn't like display pieces, or if if they wanted something to display, it was two thousand points. So I was fast turnaround from them ordering in case they were a tournament gamer, and I did know the tournament gaming scene, and that's kind of how I helped myself get into it. Same with Element as well. Like we we were always very very attached to tournaments in the UK. Um, so I'd say okay, it'll be a, let's say it's a troop of ten guys or twenty guys or whatever. It'll be about a month. It's a week for me to order it. And I try and order it from somewhere where I get a discount. Yeah. Um, and then it'd be two weeks for me to build it and paint it, nice and casual. And then it'd be a week for me to safely post it back to someone and they'd have it for their a tournament, their yeah. event, or they just get it fast enough that you know they weren't bored of the idea, which I was always really worried about. Um, and actually what would happen would be I'd order it from Maelstrom or Wayland, because Wayland and Maelstrom like the big two then. Yeah, yeah. Um, Maelstrom was, was such an amazing shop. I never, went to, I never went to their oh, shop. I, I saw pictures. It looked oh, amazing. It killed me when it went. It was, um, it was, it was a you were driving out towards it? Kings Mill Hospital, that direction, uh, yeah. in industrial state. It was an old it was an old mill. Yeah. And it was just like proper old raw brick built. I saw you know, pictures. Like, it had like pillars inside. Oh, and, and, it, and it sold. When It was that point when the other companies were now starting to make enough of a footprint on on Games Workshop, yeah, yeah. like, you know, Infinity was starting to become... Um, they had their own Battlefront, they yeah, as well. Flames of War was starting to become a thing, and and why I used to go Confrontation, and I used to play Infinity as well, and they were things now that they weren't, like, apologetically just in the corner and everything else yeah, yeah. was Games Workshop. They felt the Maelstrom pushed their presence. So when you went in, it was a really lovely place to go where you could rattle a blister instead of just having to buy it online. You could... You could go in and see stuff. first display of something that isn't a Games Workshop thing. Like, I yeah, remember and the was, first time I saw an Infinity board and I was like, oh my God. Yeah, and they had yeah, a board, yeah. they had boards in there made by that, the first of those companies that started doing all the laser etched. Yeah, yeah. They were Ceresa. the first to see that. And Ceresa, yeah. Yeah, 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 that's the very gang. And it was a really great shop and it was, and then it had gaming area downstairs, gaming area upstairs with a bar and it was like, it was, yeah, it was perfect and then it, in the blink of an eye, it was yeah. gone. Yeah, because I, I, I remember the name, under. but I, I've not heard it for a while. Because I, I knew Wayland Element, and I was always like, I'm sure there's another one. Yeah, I can't yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah. It would have been and they went. Such a shame. It's yeah, a shame. So they yeah. were they were around, and I'd get my stuff from them. But generally, my month would involve me ordering and not coming. 
<laughs> and then me chasing it. And then me basically having 72 hours to keep to my deadlines. Oh, amazing. Which yeah. I always did. I always did. <laughs> but I was, I was basically fueled by like dubstep and 15 hour painting sessions. <laughs> that's, the only, that's the only way to do it. And I remember being 50 Necron infantry. They were built, but start to finish in 15 hours, bubble wrapping them, then falling asleep at like, uh, like I just, I was, I finished as the post office opened, went and dropped them off and then just fell asleep. I can remember thinking. Like, in the post is, office. <laughs> practically. I remember thinking like, this is awful. Yeah. And um, Greg, who I mentioned, it was, this is quite a long time ago. So at the time he's nocturnal, he was on MSN. It's like, what are you doing up? I'm like, it happened again. <laughs> um, and it'd be like the third time. He's like, where are you buying this stuff? And I showed him, showed him Wayland and I showed him Maelstrom. He's like, he's not suffering with modesty. He was like, I could do better than that. Mm. He's a programmer. So we started chatting and the idea was that we would not lie about what was on our website. We would build up our stock. Greg would program in the morning. I would paint in the morning. And then I would post out in the evening. And um, and that was that was the entire business structure for wow. the business. Out that, that was, point. yeah, for Element. Yeah, yeah. 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 What year was that? That was, uh, we started in April 2012. Um, so sometime, sometime in that winter, I think. I remember because <laughs> I, went, uh, I went on a climbing holiday just before we started and my job was to come up with our logo. While I was away, Ooh, where did so, you go climbing? Sorry, I went to Fontainebleau. Oh, nice! Fontainebleau. Well, yeah, beautiful place. Just yeah. So nice. Yeah, really, really nice. But I went there and I had this little sketchbook with me, which I still have, and it just had all these different E's and G's. But Greg came up with the name, and he's like, "Well, I did the name, you do the picture." <laughs> so that's how we worked things out. It seems fair. So I went away and had all these different E's and G's pointing different ways, and then we eventually came up with our logo. And yeah, I came back and started the business with all of our money in the world, which basically was one shelf worth of stock. Yeah, cool. Yeah. <laughs> If we'd have more Got money, start. probably more behind you than what you started with. Yeah. <laughs> and definitely more at my house than what we started with. But um, I think if we had more money, we wouldn't have started because I would have thought it was a really big risk. Mm. Yeah. Mm. But as it was, we put like two grand's worth of stock onto a shelf in my parents' shed, and that's how we started the business because you didn't need us. We were lucky you didn't need a store yeah. at the time, and that came in pretty fast actually, and we were quite scared by it. But you didn't need a bricks and mortar presence mm. to sell online. No. That happened in like our first year, I think, actually. Oh, wow. So it grew pretty quick. No, actually, it was really slow. Oh. Really slow and really worrying for, like, only in, like, so far as we'd wasted our time. Yeah. Um, but for like, the first nine months, we were really slow. Were you still day jobbing it at the same time? I was commission paying, so I could work it around it. But I was basically, I'd get up, and as, as orders kind of built up, um, I was essentially working nearly two full-time jobs. So I'd start really early, do the packing, get back. We had a kitten at the time. And I'd just lie down, put the kitten on my chest. She'd fall asleep. I'd fall asleep. My alarm would go off. An hour later, I'd wake up and I'd commission paint until two in the morning. I just did that. Oh, wow. Basically one and a half years. That sounds relentless. It was. Yeah. I would want to do it again. <laughs> I would like, yeah. I, yeah it, it fascinates me where, how like these companies start, you know, like the grassroots side of things, like, you know, your parents shed, just yeah. like, using it for stock. And now, now look where you are and what you're doing. It's, yeah. it's incredible. It's, I guess, you know, it's testament to like, you know, keeping at it and, pushing through and just try to do things consistently yeah. i think our, a lot like you guys we, we just we wanted to do our fit i think honestly and clearly and how we'd like to do it and mm. we just worked really hard on putting that out mm. and that was it um and that makes it kind of simple really when 
I guess it's like I don't have one, but hopefully it's like having a kid ready. Like I want the best for the child. Yeah, yeah. So that was every single decision was just what is the best for this business, mm. and we always we always saw completely eye to eye on that in yeah. every single sense. Actually, made it yeah. quite a lot easier. I think. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. And sometimes the best for the child is to hear him cry. You know. <laughs> <laughs> You're not having it. <laughs> It'll kill you. <laughs> Maybe much like a child, we made most of our mistakes while we were small. So. <laughs> yeah. And it's repressed them all already. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. So 2012 Element Games started and yeah. obviously you've got a premises now. And Yeah, yeah. I mean, how, how, many, how many shops do you have? So we have, we've got six in total. We've got three smaller ones around the Stockport area and then we opened up Sheffield and Nottingham. Yeah. Right in lockdown. Nice. Actually, yeah, 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 I remember that. Oh, without, yeah. we were, I think we were, it's good to be cautious, but in that period, everything was so worrying. I think maybe we were we were overly worried about whether they would be okay or not. Mm. But they've gone really well, actually. Good. Shop at them. That, that does make a lot of sense, because yeah. when we all, you, you had your airbrushing thing element yeah, and yeah. Uh, popped down, and I was like, how have I not seen this before? I've been to Nottingham loads and I've been around this area. You get distracted by Pine Minister. Probably, yeah. yeah. Maybe. <laughs> they've had a bit of a, a rebrand, Pine they Minister. Have, they? Yeah. Changed yeah. to something really pretentious. Yeah. 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 Well, it, well, they are like, a, they're like, it's sort of like Pine Minster come sports bar now, isn't it? They still sell the food by Pine Minster, but they're now called something else and uh, you've got a pool table. Just and, an, it'll just end up being an Irish pub, won't it? Yeah. 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 It'll just be a Pine Minster, but only with Irish villains. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but it, yeah, it's like, hey, trendy bar with cocktails, and we also sell pies, and it's yeah, like, that's oh, a weird combination. Yeah, is, and then it? just around the corner, Element Games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, weirdly, I think that's the first time I've been into Nottingham City Centre since lockdown. Yeah. Because um, there was never a need, yeah. really, so just straight back yeah, to Derby. That's, it. that's why the high street's Derby. dying. I remember that as you were getting uh, Element ready in Nottingham, I was constantly just like that through the sliver, oh, yeah. the sliver that you had over the windows going, where have they got on stock? I can see X-Wing, but I can't see anything else. And I was like, just <laughs> counting down the minutes till it opened. Squeezing stuff in. We just packed it with paint rangers, basically. I think yeah. yeah. Where we started. I was with. shocked by the amount of paints in that place. Because you were saying you'll be, you'll, we, we, you'll have a heart attack when you go. Yeah, like, we warned you, didn't we? Yeah, I was like, nothing. No, crazy. <laughs> I've seen lots of paint. I was like, whoa, how much paint? <laughs> it's crazy these it's days. It's amazing. I arrived to see this on the table. <laughs> <laughs> the old reliable of uh, bold titanium. Yeah, I love that paint. Good, yeah. So good. That baffles me as well, that paint does. Like, I can keep thinning it. It's, it's just obnoxious, coming. isn't it? You, you, you're like, <laughs> like, I'll mix a, a little bit of this with you know, a black or something. It's like, I'm still here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What are you doing? You're white. <laughs> you should be grey now. <laughs> That's mad. And then, um, when did artists open? So I like, I like how it's AO because I always think of like the, uh, oh, yeah. the, the, remains. the delivery and like, oh. <laughs> getting your washing machine sorted. That was no washing machines, but six, about six years ago. I think okay. that was myself and Greg and James, who you just had on yeah. a couple of months ago from siege. Um, we started that because we thought the world needed nice brushes. Yes. Yeah. And started with just Series S, actually, and a, a smaller selection of smaller brushes from Series S, actually. I think we went up to two. So it was a very, very... It was a it was a very tiny beginning, actually, as mm. far as companies go. We kick-started in, like, the, the traditional... We started our business with that Kickstarter sense. Um, yeah. I'd come up... I'd, I'd Prior to that, I'd been involved in Steamforge games and... Steamforge got quite big quite fast. Went from Gilball to bigger licenses and some stuff was being produced in other continents. And I was really sure that I wanted to, if I started something new, I wanted to fully understand the thing or, you know, 
very well understand the thing at the very least. And I wanted it to as much as possible from day one. Our idea was we would like things to come from as few miles away mm. as possible. Um, just for our insanity, if anything. Actually, so that's why we picked what we did, teamed up, and then we started on Kickstarter. Yeah. Just because uh, we had Tom on a couple of weeks back and he said that there's like three groups of old ladies around the country that make brushes. Yes. Would this be the same group of old ladies? You, you, that- have, to, you have to have, if you, so the hair's more expensive than gold now by. Yeah. I think it's like twice the price of gold per gram. It doesn't weigh much, but still, you know. Holy crap. It's, it, Damn. It's not, it's really, it's really not cheap. So to work with it. Peach Linsky. It, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to work with it, basically you, you're required to have worked with other expensive hair for, it's like three or five years. And there's actually, there is an old Winston Newton, um, like little documentary about the people who make the brushes. And it is exactly that. Like, it's such an old fashioned analog thing. You see these people just handling stuff. And it's like, you know, it's like someone tossing dough. Yeah. You're like, you've done that for 10,000 hours. And if you gave it to me, I'd be like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, exactly what I mean. And yeah. they'll, they'll just be like doing this or, or something or tying or gluing or whatever. And um, it's just nothing but like, and it is old lady. It's, it's patient, really, really old school. A lot of like made in the North, basically. Mm. And it's just people who've been doing the same thing beautifully for decades. Yeah. And it's it's probably stepping away from that, um, the larger companies at least, and the QC attached that allowed us to step in, actually, I would say, because the QC is just as important as yeah. the manufacturer. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, and you can tell with the brushes that you got, because, I mean, I've got a set of the dry brushes. And... You give them a lick and you know, don't you? Oh, I, I love licking my brush. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, it stands like, are you, are you buying that? Yeah, okay, well, now you can lick it. Do that on your tongue and that. Yeah. <laughs> I've never done that with a new brush. Just like, oh no, you just draw a circle on your tongue and you'll you'll know instantly. The, the, the absolute oh. opposite to that is that um, uh, barber and scissors are extraordinarily delicate thing. Yeah, and when you have them sharp, they're so delicate that when your guy comes in to sharpen them to check that the cut is because you can put when you if you don't sharpen it correctly, you can do what's called put a blind in it, which is it'll cut and then it'll stop and then. You have to force um, past it, so you end up with like this, like stutter. It's like a stutter, and they call it a blind. And it, they're so delicate that when your um, when your your scissor sharpener guy or lady comes in, they'll take um, uh, you know a, a standard you know nose tissue, yeah, and they'll split it to a single, yeah, and then they cut into only a single. They won't even cut into a double piece of tissue, and then put it up to the light and have a look. So that's how delicate they yeah, are. Yeah. I had a, a friend of mine. You know that thing with dads when you're going to make an expensive purchase and even if dads don't know anything about it, they feel like they should come with you anyway. <laughs> and he went to buy these, he went to buy scissors and uh, he said, can I have a look at this ones and this ones and this ones? And the guy goes, oh, I've got one of them here. And he put them out and he went, have a look at them. He says, I'll go and get the others out the back. And uh, my mate was like looking at the scissors and getting a feel for them because they have to feel right. Never yeah. mind, just be very good at what they are. And uh, and he's he's had a look at them and then he put them down. And his dad went, so they really sharp? And he went, yeah, dad, they were really sharp. You know, and he went, really? And he went, yeah, he went, how sharp are they? And picked them up and started cutting a fingernail off with them, right? And the guy came out with the other ones and just went, so they're the ones you're buying then? It's like, I've never been so embarrassed oh, and realised no. what an idiot me father oh, is. <laughs> That's great. So that just like, you know, that thing about like things being delicate Good and tools just are, getting it exactly tools right. tools are a special thing, aren't they? Yeah. Like, you're going to spend so long with it in your hand, it should at least behave predictably at the very least and ideally yeah. last for a long time. People don't realise as well, like um, 
don't have scissors to do this. Well, my, my One of my pairs are 15 years old. Yeah, yeah. Eventually, I think I will have no scissors left, you know, from being sharp on the yeah, There's yeah, been yeah. often no scissors <laughs> left. You, you definitely get used to them, and people don't realise how much you'll... Let's say you're base coating, but you're base coating with a good brush. I'm sure everyone everyone here will have done this. You're like, you base coat, and it, maybe it's not your best brush, but you get used to its behaviour, and you base coat the entire model, and mm. then you pick up your other brush, and you're like, hmm. And then you go for your base coating brush again. Yeah. That's not because your base coating brush is better. It's because you have adjusted to your base coating brush, and you know exactly how much it's going to bend, how much paint it takes to behave predictably, and predictable is the important stuff of painting, and how much flex it's got, and all that type of stuff, or how you could use its edge. And it might have an aspect, like you, I, I always end up looking at the writing on them for this, it might have an aspect that if you're going downwards, it behaves better from, because mm. it's a natural hair product. And you've done all of that like little quiet mental meditation and adjustment, and then you just slap yourself and grab another brush. And this is why often you pick up the other brush and you don't particularly like it mm. until you've adjusted to that as well. Yeah, I've, I've found that with... Um, I got into a phase of using a, a 3S all the time. The and right then, brush. Yeah, I really like it. <laughs> and then and then I went to like one of the triple zeros to try and do something and was just like, oh, well, I'm doing fine detail. I'll get, I'll get the really fine detail brush and just like splodged everywhere yeah. and went back to my three and did a better job. Just, I guess, yeah, because I'm used to it. People completely underestimate that. And your like, brushes break in and your head also breaks in every session. So if you sit down and you start off with a simple task and you're using that brush for it, very often that's the brush that your head will want to continue mm. using yeah. unless it was like way different or something mm. or you're changing from, you know, a brush style to a different brush style. Yeah, adjustment to them is really yeah, important. I tend to find I, I keep to like three types of brushes, which is a dry brush, usually like a medium-sized one, mm -hmm. which does a lot of things that I need to do. Um, something like um, what I would call a standard-sized brush, like a regiment brush, probably a three, I imagine that would be. Yeah. Well. And then just something small that I'd rarely use, but it would be like eyes at most. Although you can get a good point on, on like the medium brush, and that would do a lot of the legwork. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I've got all these brushes, and I'm like tend to be a creature of habit and just keep to a, a group of three sometimes four depending Completely. on what I'm going to I'm like odd numbers until I step down to a double zero so it's like a five a three maybe a one but often I'll just completely skip the one out and go all the way down to a double zero because I am painting a nose or an eye mm. or teeth yeah. or whatever so yeah it's just I don't know. threes when did the woodwork element come into artist opus then so we always wanted our stuff to be protected and it's, also, it's very important how people think of things right because like you, you can't put your brush in the wrong way around if it's in its box yeah stuff like that like it it, it trains you to treat them with respect we we had them we didn't source we didn't make the cases ourselves um and they did come from china and then we started having qc issues and we were at a stage then where we'd just bought new premises a new workshop and we had a chat and chris who's really integral to everything manufacturer and everything workshop he said he thought that we could maybe bring that in-house um, and we've been playing with more and more of the lasers or stuff like that. We've got some other products that we've been working on for years that we've been prototyping that we would make ourselves and the cases as well that ended up happening. Um, and he said, I think we can do that. Um, <laughs> this was in lockdown when everything closed, mm. shipping went crazy, oh, containers yeah. went mad, yeah. and the world became very confusing. So we had a pretty <laughs> wobbly few months, actually. We brought that in-house, and, um, and it just grew and grew and grew. The moment... The moment that you're fully in control of something, things shift astronomically. So it's both way more relaxing and way more worrying. We brought that in and we found that 
the degree of control and the quality we could put out just shot up mm-hmm. and we're, we're doing things in such a basically past the cnc that is like the beating heart and that's where things are cut out or frames are made or whatever after that point everything's so old-fashioned that we're doing in there it's like people with old school dangerous machinery that you'd seen in granddad's shed yeah. like <laughs> by hand and that's it apart from the laser finishing basically that's amazing yeah, yeah. It, it kind of reminds me of the um uh, transatlantic guys where they make all their i saw that video and i sent it, <laughs> so I sent it, sent it to chris immediately and he was like i get it yeah that's great it, 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 there's a lot to be said about like doing stuff in an industry where you you again starting from grassroots doing it in a shed and using old methods and techniques because Completely. nowadays people want that people want that the, the actual not not like something that i mean 3d printing's nice and you know People are, something plastic with skulls on it. Well, yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> no. no well, I want plastic that. skulls on my models and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like woodwork, because my brother's really into like, he, he's got his own like, Instagram channel and he, he does a lot of woodwork and stuff. And I remember my mum was saying like, and you know, he'd, he'd agree with it. He didn't really do that much in the way of DIY. It wasn't yeah. particularly, because I'm useless at DIY. That's my wife's very Same. good at DIY. Uh, she loves that. And she's got loads of tools in her lady cave. I regret using that name, but that's the name she calls it. <laughs> that's her name. She's got a sign. I've got a man cave. She's got a lady cave. It's just the way it is. But she's got all sorts of things like pillar oh. drills and like mitre saws and stuff like that. She's got loads of things in there. Unfortunately, the entire work surface is covered by wood. Yep. She, she likes making things by hand, and my brother does. And, it, and just seeing the results and just the tactile sensation of having your hands in There's it. nothing like... I think we we didn't do an adequate job with the cabinets of getting across just how nice they are to mm. like like to touch or to like they're very very solid and there is something like we're doing an analog hobby mm. and I feel really strongly that people should be proud of the fact that it's analog and like celebrate it and also display stuff with pride not with shame or not display it at all and all of that I think kind of fits together. Excuse me. I might have been on. <laughs> <laughs> um, but another thing is also the old machinery is just better. Mm. Like an old bandsaw from like decades and decades ago is as good or better than a new bandsaw. And if it breaks, you can fix it. Yeah. Um, oh, so wow. we are like, we have a van and constantly we are going away to get machinery that is older than I am. Yeah. Because it's the best. Yeah. Yeah. And it's still the best. But it's made to last, isn't oh, it? Oh, completely. Yeah, it's like... so, but what, so what's bad about say like a modern day bandsaw? So I'm definitely not an expert, but... No. Um, basically the reason we're buying older ones is that they're, they're still not broken. They've got the same safety stuff on that they did have and they're less delicate mm. and you know, they're dinked when we get them. They're, they've yeah. already been broken in yeah. thoroughly and that's just their state. They're going to live like that forever. Like this wooden table, like it's not going to chip down to a different color or anything like that. You could sand it back if you wanted. Mm. It's just going to go and go and go and go until the day that it dies, which might also be never. Yes. Um, and that's the same for a load of it, actually. You'll often yeah. find as well, like, the, the bolts and the screws are, like, universal bolts and screws you can get from anywhere, where a yeah. lot of things nowadays are very bespoke. And Into, in their own, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> or, like, a, yeah, particular housing or something that yeah. isn't actually, that's not how the machine works. Yeah. It's like the body of a car, yeah. it's just there. Yeah. Because it's like that with loads of stuff at the minute, isn't it? Like, I mean, like, with some of the camera equipment I buy, all the tripods I buy, I have to make sure fit the, you know, the plates that I have, the, mm. the, the sliders that I use are all part of the same ecosystem and they like delivered a package to the wrong place and I was sending them emails and be like, where is it? And like three months later, they sent me a new one and I was like, if I didn't have to buy this because it fits in with all yeah. of the other stuff that yeah. I have, um, yeah, so that's that's a big part of it. And I like Instagram, like it's like, follow this link and you go to YouTube but you're still in Instagram because they want to keep you there and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. yeah. 
But yeah, fascinating. Fascinating. <laughs> mm. Darling. Sarcasm much. Um, yeah, Sorry. that was cool. But no, no, it's fine. Um, but yeah, there's, I, I name drop him on, on here. I, I used to all the time. There's a YouTuber called Alex Steele. He's a blacksmith. Um, and he buys old like power hammers and all that sort of stuff. And it's always really old stuff that was like, yes, this was made by my granddad's granddad, granddad's yeah. generation. And it's brilliant. Yeah. Anything like that. You look at like brush crimpers. So just the simple thing that squidges the ferrule to hold everything in place. A load of the ones of those used by huge companies, they will be like legacy. Mm. They'll be over 100 years old. Wow. And it's just a thing that clamps some stuff. Yeah. But it, like some have been oh, lost, sadly. Some have been lost, some have been chipped or whatever, but the ones that are still going will be just as good as they were. Yeah. Yeah. Well, some stuff's just, you can't reinvent it, can you? No. Yeah. And there's absolutely no need to. Like a, a standard pointy brush, like there is no reason for that to change or a violin or, you know, that, mm. like it's reached peak form. Yeah. There's absolutely no reason to change it whatsoever. Yeah. Because yeah. I often, um, well, getting, I guess getting into 40k and it's like, oh, humanity used to make all this old stuff, but we don't know how to make it anymore. <laughs> and people are like, that's so unrealistic. Um, and I remember doing a bit of reading on like space travel and this, that and the other. And people are like, oh, <laughs> we're, we're going to go, we're going to go back to the moon. And people go, well, why don't you just make the rocket again that went to the moon? And it's like, but all the most of the people that made that are dead and we don't know how to do it anymore. Yeah, yeah. There's um, no, nobody uh, born after 1935 was set foot on the moon. Yeah. Is how yeah. the idea of that perspective. Oh, that, that's going to add to the conspiracy that's all online then, isn't it? <laughs> oh no. No, there's great videos online where people are like um, debunking the fact that it's a myth. Well, like, Dave, yeah. Dave used to say this all the time. I was like, all that money they've spent if it is a fake, they might as well just used it to go to the moon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But there was um, there's there's some VFX guys, uh, Corridor Crew on yeah. YouTube, and they they looked at the video and were like, to do this, the technology at the time just didn't exist, so they would have had to spend a ludicrous amount of money. Well, then that old gag wasn't because the the rumor was that they hired Stanley Kubrick to yes. film the fake moon landings, and you know, and obviously Stanley Kubrick was massively a perfectionist. And, um, and they said Stanley Kubik, they hired him, but the problem was Stanley Kubik believed in shooting on there, uh, act actually shooting uh, uh, in the environment you're meant to be, so they had to go to the moon to do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so I love that, talking about paintbrushes, and then we get on to moon landing moon conspiracies. That's how the yeah. show goes, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, tell you what, I'll wild. Try, and, try and segue it back. So if you look at technology and what we're capable of, um, people often talk about synthetic brushes and... Um, to give you an idea of how perfect hairy hair is, yeah, um, you have to look at what people are using in like the Arctic or whatever. So they've replaced their donkeys with skidoos, but they're still wearing polar bear hair. And that's because technology hasn't yet got to a point where we can make something that gets to a point artificially that is as good as a hair. Mm. So yeah. the hair, it's, it's, got, it's got sheaths on it, it's natural, it kind of slides over each other. It can be like revitalized and brought back to life in a way that other things can't. And if you look at a polar bear hair, that's actually got it's got a bubble down the middle, which is why it insulates so well. That's why it's white. So still, humans cannot make that, even though there's definitely a cause for people to want to be warm or outdoor clothing or whatever. There's so much technology that hasn't nearly caught up to, to where it should be yet. And that's why synthetic brushes don't behave the same, because essentially they are a really long noodle that's been chopped to a point. And there's some things you can do around the point, but it, it, won't, it won't do that. 
yeah. a beautiful thing. It won't do that quite so well. Oh, interesting. So that's, have, uh, you ever, have you ever thought about trying to develop a synthetic for brush? for half a decade. Like, yeah. Oh, wow. So we're still... There, there is, it's the closest it's ever been, but it's still not there. Well, yeah. if you decide that maybe, maybe moving into the idea of making paintbrushes out of human hair, mm-hmm. me and you could start a business. <laughs> yeah. I've got lots of resources for that. <laughs> just, just bags of it. Just bags of it. I mean, whatever colour you like. You know, maybe more like a tougher brush could be more like a redhead because redhead to people's hair is more is more robust and you. Come and see me. Well, I've sorted. <laughs> well, you've also got facial hair. Yeah, facial Finally, for, for the dry brush of the size that I yeah, want. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. just dry brush a Titan in a one go. I, we could oh, get I'd, it. Love to, I'd love to dry brush a Titan. <laughs> that, that would be quite funny. That would be a great great video. That would be a it? video, wouldn't it? I dry brush this Titan with that human seemed, hair. That seems to be one of the default ways to get views now, is to do a Titan. Paint a Titan, yeah. 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 Paint, paint a Titan <laughs> yeah. and talk about Henry Cavill all while using a Swedish accent. That's oh. the way to get you. Somebody, I was chatting to you recently, it may well have been some of the people in this room, I can't remember, but uh, bringing it up recently where they were like, oh, like Henry Cavill, he was all like, I love Warhammer, Warhammer's great. After that visit and it got announced that they have an agreement in principle, he's just like, yeah, I'm, I'm an actor now. Like, like barbecuing. He has my dog. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he hasn't posted about how great Warhammer is or anything like that mm. like since then interesting yeah, yeah. that's because you weren't in the build that's why because you, you weren't there that day maybe if we'd have been there that day we'd have been watching the telly series by now do you reckon yeah <laughs> <laughs> I think that's where it I mean I did decline a job on The Witcher well uh, it's one of the monsters I, st- I stopped watching <laughs> the um, the most recent Witcher series I thought it was crap I watched one episode and I was like, nah. Apparently it's had 30, 30% reduction in views. Uh, I've, been, I've yeah. been slogging through it over a couple of nights, the first episode. Um, it has taken longer than normal because yeah. straight away normally you get like the, the very first episode of Witcher is just slugging out with those guys in the street and just like murdering them in a horrible way, which was great. Not You wouldn't fight with a sword like that. That'll be <laughs> clear. You can't, you can't fight with a sword. Yeah, I'm not telling Backhanded without their real... But it looks cool. It, do, it does look yeah, cool. It looks cool. That, yeah, really cool. You just lose your sword. Someone just because you've not got when when you hold it like that, you've got all that you know momentum and stuff. When you have it like that, it's all in the wrist, and it's like really lame. It's great big long weighty thing. Yeah, yeah. but it's Henry Cavill's wrist, to, so it's fine. Regardless, <laughs> a wrist is a wrist. Yeah. yeah. Sadly, people always want to. They always portray uh, experts when it comes to knife fighting in movies with them fighting like that and you will always go that way you always yeah. go that way don't you because you, you create your <sighs> if the other person has a knife you create your own guard oh my fighting skills have been taught by Steven Seagal yeah. all I know is to do that yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, if, you, if, you, if the other person has and a, do the splits if, yeah. and if the other person has a knife just let intimidate them the other person has a knife if you the minute you do that you create something that's stopping your chest or your face being and when you put it into somebody your natural emotion is to carry on she creates enormous big gashes. That that is too precise to yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. And Gruesome. that doing that allows it to be taken off. Mm. But that's a harder thing to grab hold of. So that way with a sword, no. But that way with a knife, yes. Yeah, yeah different, different. And now we different know. Tools. And there you go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so paintbrushes. <laughs> <laughs> After the murder, I think we've gone back to the murder it's segment. It's so much harder to kill someone with something. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Have you ever tried to murder anyone with a paintbrush? <laughs> no. Uh, no, good. I bet Vin Diesel I've seen, yeah. I've seen some people murder some paintbrushes in front of me, though. That's for sure. <laughs> so, do you ever watch someone use your artist opus brushes oh, and it, does it just make you want to die? And yeah, it's, it's called the painting phase. And you watch <laughs> <laughs> it's, the, it's the scoop. It's just it's the scoop and then the like ploughing headfirst into tissue. It's just... 
it's dreadful. Yeah, that's definitely the painting phase. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I do find it really hard. and I'm so used to demoing now from shows. Mm. Um, then when I do classes, mm. like when someone gets to take the brush away from me, I just have to put my hands behind my back. <laughs> oh, because you're... I don't, I don't, yeah. I don't, yeah, but it's uh, it's really helpful. Actually, the moment you see other people starting to do it, you you just try and work out the way to make it the most digestible. Why why not to do that? Or you know things like the, mm. you and Mini Wargaming Dave spoke about the um, very kindly actually. Thank you. Spoke about stuff like how straight up the brush was mm. and things like that when I work. So you just you're looking at other people, and the moment they do something wrong, you're like, right, how do I make it as clear as possible that you know the tip has to point upwards or yeah. something like that? And that's how you kind of end up changing your language for teaching i guess yeah it's fascinating to hear you talk about that as well because you know you you have so many sort of behaviors that you follow when you do a thing but then having to step back and communicate that teaching's completely different yeah, teaching absolutely. will absolutely make you better at the thing you do or at least understand it more mm. i think it makes such a big difference so many things were just completely passive or you know just like your piece of wood or whatever you'll do them because you think they make a difference or this works it's almost like you know, like, oh, it's good luck, I'll, I'll take my board out. But actually, there's a really good reason that that thing works. Yeah. yeah. See, the channel going well? Yeah, really well, actually. I think we'll, maybe this year we'll hit 100k, which would be pretty cool. Wow. Yeah. That's good. I wouldn't have expected that. No. I only started in lockdown because I felt impotent, so. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> so, running a shop, getting, like, wood made, and then doing a YouTube channel all in lockdown. Intense. Yeah. yeah. Well, we, we ran out of, when GW closed... Element fully ran out of stock for a bit. Got the lowest I've ever seen the shelves. That was crazy. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. That was um, a complete oddity. So we got really, really low. And then we had this other company. I was like, well, what can I do? What people, what might people want to do? So I thought, well, I'll try teaching. Hmm. And uh, started the first few videos are so bad. I should probably delete them, oh. I think. <laughs> Look at my old warmer TV ones. They're just awful, absolutely awful. Me looking at camera, not even smiling, going, I'm really excited about this video. It's just so crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it was like a little one-to-one -one when um, the, the three new presenters turned up and we'll train and you could see they're like really nervous and they were struggling at times to, to like talk to camera. I was like, this will make you feel better. Watch this. And they're like, oh God, you were awful. I was like, yeah, no. <laughs> I found them. I was um, looking for a quote the other day from uh, from something. And you'll know what I'm going to say next when I tell you what I was looking for a quote from. Uh -oh. And I found a video that I didn't know existed that was you, Louise. Duncan. Oh, is this Blackstone Fortress? No. Hangout and Hobby? No. I was looking for a quote from the movie Conan. Oh, God, not that blooming I, know, I didn't even know it existed until I found yeah. it yesterday. It's the most amazing thing I've ever seen. <laughs> it's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. Because I was looking at it, because I was looking for that, what is the best thing in life, Conan? Sturdy range ruler. <laughs> Dice in my hand and wind in my head. <laughs> if you've not seen it, it's... And I'm not even... Do you I'm know not even, about that video? I'm not even taking the mick. I thought it was... Uh, Amazingly funny. So, have you seen it? Have you passed? No, no. I'll have to show you. So when we were doing the build-up for that, I, know um, it, I, I said to, to my boss at the time, I was like, right, so I've got to be a barbarian from Hyboria. Cool. Can I do like a Skyrim-y voice, like a Nord or something like that? And he was like, mm, some people might get offended. I was like, Nords don't exist. <laughs> Skyrim. He was like, yeah, but Scandinavian, some people might get offended. I was like, I'm being a Nord. It's like, not even a thing. I was like, all right. 
And then weirdly, whatever fur I was wearing gave me such a... I, I was worried that really? night because I didn't think I could... I was struggling to breathe when I got home, but I had, I had a massive allergic reaction to whatever furs I was wearing. You know how Bugman's has loads of napkins and like yeah. cups? I used every tissue from every table. I was streaming from the eyes, I was streaming from the nose, I was oh, constantly God. sneezing. Oh, every tape was like... I was like sneezing like 10 times, then we'd get like 30 seconds before I'd sneeze again. It was awful. And uh, that voice is now put on that. It's just how my voice was as the night progressed. Just your asthmatic yeah. voice. You're being haggard. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like the two weeks but, of recording through hay fever I had recently. It's, it was, just, it's, really, yeah. de- it's really depressing just staring at yourself looking awful, <laughs> trying to be more happy and enthusiastic than you are. Yeah. Wear a big red nose and everything. Oh, yeah. It's dreadful. I, f- I find myself looking in the camera and I'm like, wow, I look awful. And then I'll kind of like take a breath in and try and inflate myself and then just go (laughs) (laughs) I haven't even got enough effort to hold a breath the joy of the editor to get to see that stuff as well I think that's the big thing I've always found like it's always the editors that make you look good thanks Pat Um, got your back babe it's like so many times I just say stupid things or just like oh how did that come across I'm like let's try that one more time okay let's try it one more time and then I'll do it a bit different and they're like cut elements from one cut elements from another um, so yeah the only reason I look good in any of the things I've done is because of the editor skillful peeps <laughs> well your, your, your videos are very honest because you sometimes mangle <clears throat> what you're saying and then you just leave it in and then if anything highlight more more to it that you've done it don't you yeah I like to, there's always a I don't think anyone anyone sits down and they're like oh well this can take forever that would be fine <clears throat> but there's never much time so stuff has to work and if something doesn't work it often just doesn't get done mm. yeah so um, yeah everything is kind of push through in that sense I guess <laughs> so how, but I think it creates more of a, a human aspect yeah. to do that I think so we leave our mistakes in yeah, like yeah, like yeah. The, the mistakes on the models they are they are a they are a point of the video specifically like that that 80% that we spoke about earlier 80% of the way through a model like, I think it's really important for people to know that things don't go right slips happen and often you just haven't thought about something enough and you do something without thinking and then you're, oh well I've ruined my model yeah so we always try and specifically include, if not make a point of the stuff that goes wrong, because I think it's very, it's very, I don't know how you feel about this actually, like where we are now in the hobby, people, so we are the broadest we've ever been, that's the most people in the holiday, mm-hmm. and we're also the shallowest we've been because the smallest percentage of people, have, they've not been indoctrinated through like White Dwarf or whatever. Yeah. So people's level of general knowledge about painting on average, despite the fact that there's all these products out there on the internet and everything, it's not come from one source and it's kind of disparate and scattershotted. And I think people don't know about mistakes and how often they happen and stuff mm. like that nearly as much as they used to. Yeah, it's something I was very aware of when I was at Warmer TV because we'd always cut them out, but like, oh, we're not showing that because it makes yeah. the product look bad. I was like, but that's part of the painting process. Yeah. I mean, my painting early stages is very messy. Yeah. So I, like with the um, Leviathan stuff, we're doing our own chapter. I'm very, uh, all the colours, so I spray white. I don't tidy up white until all the base coat's done. Yeah, because I'm going to get black on the white, yeah, exactly. I'm going to get orange on the white, I'm going to get brown on the white. So there are bits where there's visors and like a little bit of black yeah, on the yeah. side and stuff. I don't care about that because I know later on I'm going to get the white, I'm going to tidy it all up and then I'm going to wash it and it'll be fine. And that's its own discussion piece, isn't it? Because you can, it's like painting inside out, which mm. is like the old school way. Yeah. Like, there's so many things that used to be the way to do it, like dry brushing was done this way. Painting was done, you know, you'd maybe paint the eyes, yeah. and then you paint the face, and then you paint the helmet, because each mistake that you made past the zone that yeah. you're on, yeah. you didn't have to fix because you were going to cover over anyway, and fixing mistakes is costly. But stuff like that isn't, that's not the, there's not accepted rules anymore. Yeah. You know, there's 
opinions coming from everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Like so yeah. some of them from me, so I can't say it's a bad thing. But um, yeah, people, I don't think people realize at all how often things go wrong, how sloppy stuff can look before it starts looking yeah. good and stuff like that. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, that's like anything. It's going to look messy until, like you say, the last 20, 20%. can really hear that rain. So, <laughs> <laughs> so atmospheric right now. It is. Oh, yeah, wow. Sorry, darling, the washing's getting wet. <laughs> Can't do much about it. Maybe it's not raining in Spondon. <laughs> oh, well, I assume it is. Contrast has changed that though as well, I think. Yeah. Because people are like, they're they're starting and then you, you have to paint within, you paint in your zone. Yeah. And then you paint in your zone, you paint in your zone. But that's a very, very narrow selection of skills. That doesn't include how to fix your thing. And it might be harder to fix your thing if you're like, well, I need an, I think I need an exact match for that. Yeah. Is said a lot more than it used to be. And it's mm. people worrying about it because they've been taught a certain way. And there's now 500 GW paints? I don't know. A lot. It's a lot, yeah. Like tons and some contrasts that aren't even contrast, but they've been called contrast because contrasts sell better. Yeah. Um, you know, whereas like this is a super opaque contrast. It's in an ink. Yeah. You know, yeah. or this is a really weak contrast. Is it a shade? Yeah. Um, so Very people are coming, yeah, people are coming like skeleton hood. That's a shade. I think there's, there's a few that have exactly the properties objectively of a shade. Yeah. They're still called a contrast. Yeah. So people coming in down this very narrow route and they don't know that you can make a mistake or it's fine to make a mistake or you can mix a colour. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't, like, I don't necessarily know what it means for the industry, but this is happening in climbing as well. Like a lot more people go climbing who've never climbed outdoors, for example. Yeah. And it's saying that it used to be that if you're in a room of gamers, everyone had probably done 90% of all of these hobby rites of passage. And I would imagine that ratio has flip-flopped yeah. completely. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what it means to the hobby, but it's very, it's very different, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. massively. Like it's things do develop and change over time, and and like like I used to work in a climbing wall, um, like at one of the depots in uh, Nottingham, and yeah, it used to be that your introduction to climbing would be doing it outside. Yeah, back in back in day in Safety Yorkshire, and consequences. And yeah, stuff, yeah, and and but like people would just put hobnail boots on. Um, which were just walking boots with nails like out the yeah. toes and stuff and tie a rope around their waist and be like, right then, come on, let's, let's get up this grit still. Yeah. Um, and it'd be fine. And then, and it's interesting now that like people, yeah, just start climbing people indoors. People from completely yeah. different walks of life are getting yeah. into the hub. This applies to both climbing and to, to painting. Yeah. Like people who would have never done it before doing it. That's brilliant. And it's yeah. amazing. But these new ways have been worked out to make it more approachable. Yeah. But also, Post, let's say you've just done contrast, or you've just done contrast in slap chop. Post that, you're you're further away from where you would have been if you just started painting normally, mm. or if you'd not painted at all, almost. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, because when when Tom was on and we talked about, well, he told us about the hobby trumpet. Yeah, yeah. And getting contrast and how it's great for your your beginners. I guess yeah, you're not making the same mistakes and learning the same you're not. way. As if you were like, oh, I'm doing this yellow paint. Okay, clean that off and paint that zone red again. Not mm. like, oh, well, you know, it won't matter because I'll just do X or Y over it. Yeah, contrast, I think, um, was we had quite a pushback when it first came out because it was treated as a separate way of painting entirely. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I disagreed with that quite early on. Uh, so did Duncan. Um, it's like it's an extra tool. It's not a, an it's unique own way of painting. Um, they're great for, like, texture. They're great for, like, you know, getting, like things done quick like faces and stuff like that but for a beginner when you've got like a prime example was a thousand sun you have to spray it wraith bone then you have to neatly <coughs> paint all the yellow bits 
But then if you paint the blue bits where the yellow bits, that's going to go green. There's no right way to do it, is yeah, there? Yeah. Because you could do the light one first and then you can fix it, but your fix has to be perfect. Yeah. Or you do this one first and then you've got to white it. And, and if you make you... a mistake, how, you, you, that literally is that whole section has to be redone. With then, a really wet paint yeah, yeah. on a really tiny area. Yeah. Yeah, so you have to rebase a race bone by hand, yeah, which yeah. is then streaky, so it looks different to the uh, spray. So I was like, it's not a beginner's method. But what you're saying here with this particular model is not how mm. I teach a beginner how to paint. No, Barra, Thousand Sun, very, very, very different prospects. Yeah. which And that's not spoken about, actually. I guess maybe maybe people don't want to stop people from doing the army they're excited in, which I fully believe, you know, do the thing that you care about. It's meant to be the ones you think are the coolest. But at the same time, if you're considering this or this equally... And this is a thousand suns, and this is Nurgle. You should definitely start with Nurgle. Yeah, my God. Like, oh, I'll start with Lumineth. That's a good first army. But there was a way <laughs> to fix the thousand suns. It was a real simple way, which was spray it gold and apply blue. Ooh, that's tasty. Yeah, uh, and they're like, no, you can't do it over anything <laughs> that's not Wraithbone, Greyseer, or Corex White. I was like, then you're complicating the. But that's. <laughs> So it got quite frustrating. Yeah. <laughs> I can imagine that. And one of, one, one of the things which did get dropped, thankfully, was to paint a, a, a Imperial Knight using contrast. Yeah. I was like, where's the, where's the silver? Now you're using grey. That's going to look shit. <laughs> it's not gonna look, no one's going to spend that amount of money and paint it with these paints to have that effect. Did it, did it get painted? We, we started, we, I think we did an armature um, as a test, and even that looked naff. Um, because you had basilicon grey at the time, which was the only decent grey. Yeah. It looked remarkably like metallic, if you can call it that. And the non-metallic gold was like Nasdreg yellow. So yeah. anything that was gold would, would use that. And anything that was grey would either use, I think, maybe Space Wolves sometimes. And then, it's going to um, end up looking like a classical painting or something, isn't it? It just looked flat and rubbish, <laughs> um, it, it, for a better word. And that's why, eventually, it took someone outside of workshop to put some stuff on the community side that was just like a mix of everything. They went, oh, that's the way we should be using these. Oh, like, yeah. oh the love of God. <laughs> Do drawings for him and everything. Every time you tell me that story, I still laugh. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it took someone else to... <laughs> the nights are so good for... If you dry brush and wash those, those nights are amazing as well. Mm. Metallics... Metallics yeah. and dry brushing is mm. not something to be avoided whatsoever. It's yeah, because you did a video all about the uh, the legs, didn't you? I did. Yeah, I did some legs. I've got a, a which looked really, really good. Dry brush metal. Chaos some amazing things in this box. If only you could all see them. <gasps> Ooh, you're gonna have to, you're gonna pictures. have to show right. at some point. I'll, I'll uh, I, I did zoom in. I'll zoom in on this camera if you can hold it. Almost oh, hold place. it. No, no. Well, just just put it somewhere and don't move it. Mm, that's a bit small. Do you want to move it closer? No, no, it's fine. I, I focused on it. It's fine. Oh, yeah, yeah, we're all good. Trying we're to help. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you what. I'll, you keep chatting, and I'll and I'll, I'll bring keep chatting. Yeah, you can you can Ooh. dry brush metallics. Spe specifically, metallics will go so well if you're using the right. So metallics with fine pigments. I use airbrushing ones actually. Yeah, yeah. Works so really, really well. I only use one, and I have black to it if I want it darker. Keeps things simple. <laughs> right. <laughs> or blue if I want it blue, etc. You can dry brush metallics so well. So what, what was, I, I, I imagine there's a video of you doing this on your there channel. There will be. That's been... Um, <gasps> Pre-release. Yeah, that's, oh, that's been sat for forever, forever right. actually. Um, so my quest with that one was I, I got a good estimate how long it took heavy metal. And then I tried to do it in, I think it would have taken about seven days. Hmm. And I tried to do it in seven hours was the, um, was the subject of that one. You can dry brush metallic so well. And big models like the Knight or... Yeah. It's a great video, though. Oh, it's just so good. Yeah. That's amazing. Bigger and bigger and bigger. I love the verdigris as well. Um, yeah, it took... Uh, I remember 
Daz would do like a colour variant of a Chaos Knight, a bit smaller than those because of the old Chaos Knights. It was like a day and a half, two days it yeah. would take to do to do the colour variant. But nowadays, it's like seven, eight days, 11 for the Varangard, I think it was. Their painters are but, so good these days. It's absolutely ridiculous. Like the average bonus, consistency well. and quality is nuts. Mm. It really, really is quite intimidating. It's amazing the smoothness because it looks like you've just spent ages layering and smoothly applying highlights when... We know it's not Buffy, Buffy, yeah, <laughs> Buffy, Buffy, <laughs> <laughs> and deception. There's some areas you can't hide it, and I, I pick that carefully. Like, I can't, I can't use majority dry brushing on a space screen to try and get a box arty look. No, I can get a really good look, but I can't get that good. But that model, some models are just really helpful for it. Mm. That yeah, metal stuff basically. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Metals do lend well to it. That's why I like painting all my stormcast metal. Instead of having lots of colour on them. Oh, yeah. Then you get to wash them. Yeah. 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 Stuff. And a bit of dirt on there. Because there, there seems, I, I noticed in, in quite a few videos um, of, say, especially the American YouTubers like uh, Goobertown and John and that kind of stuff, there seems to be a, a move away from using washes and they're sort of like shading everything with just... Both of them are getting really good as mm. well, like like... Their painting game has upped so much. Oh yeah, yeah. Like, I follow really? like the Ninjon videos, and I'm just like, oh, what? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I think it's brilliant because um, I, I, I watch a lot of Paint Bravely mm. um, with uh, Goobers and um, Casey or Brendan Casey, should I say? And it's more, I guess, talking about like same the hobby journey. You know, it's a bit different nowadays where we've gone through like loads of like processes like white dwarf learning our skills slowly whereas nowadays people can just look on the internet yeah they can get a quick video get overloaded real fast and then instantly become professionals and tell you how to glaze or tell you how to yeah. dry brush like, you're not glazing you're not using a medium yeah yeah or yeah. whatever it's oh like, yeah that was it yeah <laughs> poor <laughs> richard sure, okay. he um, really should pull his finger out and learn how to glaze he should, should <laughs> richard, that's yeah just I, like you just laugh like myself yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> But but they were saying that, you know, there's there's some skills there that have been forgotten, which is like learning to, like I used to, because washes weren't a thing when I was young. Mm. Washes, I, I eventually made my own washes when we had matte varnish and inks, um, the previous Citadel stuff. So you used to get like mm. brown ink, chestnut ink, black ink. And I used to mix, um, once my matte varnish had gone down, I used to mix a bit of uh, ink into that and I made a wash. I used to apply it all over and then they started to bring out things like Badab Black. I just did it because it was just like yeah. it thinned it down quite nicely. I had a matte finish which I really like yeah. the look of. Um, and then they eventually brought out washes and it has sped up with the painting. Um, it's made, it's, I've done a lot of corner cutting but some of those early principles of like doing the base coating, doing the mm. layering, doing the highlights, being a bit more... Knowledge of dilution. Yeah. But like so much of paint comes down to how much paint is on the brush and how wet is it. Yeah. And like that is a life's work there for someone, you know, like Rich or Andy or incredible painters. They're going to spend literally all of their lives trying to get to that point, which we can never even dream of. And some people are not even touching it. It's either you have it on the brush or you don't because that's all that they've known. Yeah. yeah. Wild. But yeah, I think it's fine. Yeah, that, yeah. It, it is a, seems to be a move, but in a, for a positive reason. Yeah, or, or like, I guess the way I interpreted it initially was if you want to do high-end painting, you don't use washes. No. Um, but I don't. Washes. But then I watched uh, some Infernal Brush and he was like on his heavy metal ultramarine that he did and that tutorial sort of went crazy. Um, and he, he diluted contrast paints instead because he said he found them easier to control. Yeah. Oh, take um, Juan Hidalgo's. He, he's... 
Good old Juan. Yeah. Love Juan. He mainly uses contrast, doesn't he, and washes and stuff. A whole series yeah. of videos on it, doesn't he? Just yeah, just heavy heavy contrast marines. Yeah. Dropping, dropping stuff in other things as well. Like before contrast existed, the way that I the way that I learned was dropping paints inside washes. So mm. it made them more yeah basically um, make contrast yeah yeah there was something i um i think it was on the ne- is it a nemesis dread night like the baby carrier um, yeah. and uh i watched your video and you were dry brushing with a mix of like metallics and contrast paint or something uh, like yeah, that might, might use them like an ink to tint the metallic yeah whilst putting the littlest because it's really potent you can put a tiny amount of something and it'll completely change your metallic mm. and it won't change its properties and the properties are what you're after yeah yeah but i remember watching that being like what (laughs) (laughs) also if you let's say you mix in something in your base coat people refer to this as a mother shade or whatever you Mm. put down a wash at first yeah i think you've talked about that previously you got got brown it or black or purple or something and that purple stays present in the shadows for or until you until you start doing mixing you don't get to do that Mm. and that is just flat cheating as far as like efficiency goes and how good your end result is if you use the same color bone or whatever in all of your highlights and use the same color in all of your shades or a little bit of that purple is present in most of your colors your entire piece will just look super coherent and all it takes is for you to put an unmeasured small amount of something in something else yeah your painting will just look better and you'll get away with more your mm. shadows or mistakes will look less noticeable and so it's one tiny more piece of knowledge and then everything gets easy but people perceive it as more complication and actually it's just more it's more forgiving by a long way as well oh like wow a huge huge margin so, so what you mix a little bit of a purple into everything let's say let's say you, you, i don't know you're doing your leather and it's a brown dark mm. brown you mix a bit of your purple in there or you even start from your model as purple yeah or you know that's in the black as your base coat or anything yeah. like that and it's just there present in the vast majority of places oh interesting your model will yeah. just look more coherent mother color yeah. yeah is that um or is it uh I follow them on Instagram. They're insane. Are they Craftworld? Craftworld. Craftworld Studios, yeah. Those are gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Everything just looks, like, Sublime. sensational. Yeah. yeah. Really, really good. Um, so I highly recommend anyone to follow them. Craftworld. Is that the, the gentleman with the really quite, um, very so, good moustache? So Yes, yeah. I believe so, yeah. So hus- husband and wife team, yeah. I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But, yeah, I look at their stuff and I'm like, oh. They're really good. They've got a Patreon, I think, actually. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. I'll have to check I it out. I got introduced to them by Suggs. She was like, have you seen these? I was like, no. Yeah, he's like, Ooh. he did a lion recently, which was as you'd expect. Oh, right, cool. Yeah, yeah. Mm, pardon me, when I browse. In- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How do you find it all? Keeping it all go, all the wheels turning at the same time for so many things all yeah. at once. What's your time management like? It must oh, be tough. The same as it's a struggle for everyone. Um, well, I there's a lot of people involved in the businesses now at this stage who are better than I ever was at their particular jobs. So the senior team element are nuts. Like, despite the fact that Leviathan arrived on the wrong type of lorry in torrential downpour, um, <laughs> you know, they, what we can output now is incredible. And that's purely as a result of having a team who will tweak and manage things. And then it's taken a lot of beating myself up accidentally, but looking at the ways that I can make the biggest difference um, with the most efficient use of my effort basically so that's product development tweaking things um relationships or stuff like that um and then coming in objectively to be there when the guys want to chat through something that needs fixing Mm. that's where a lot of it goes actually you feel like do you you feel like on a day-to-day that your 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 team are are such a well-oiled machine that you are constantly having to make 
got to if you if you want to be able to make the biggest difference to stuff, really you should probably consider rendering yourself redundant to the data. I would say mm. actually it's better for your head as well because like, I can be creative and I am a creative person, but if there's like if there's a lot of upkeep and admin and loads of other stuff that has to be done around that, that someone else could be doing better if all I need to do is let go. They should be doing that and I should be doing this. Yeah. How hard do you find letting go? Hard. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely really, really hard. Like bit by bit it takes it, but the easiest thing is just looking at someone who's better than I could ever be. But the vast majority of the parts of the things that used to be my responsibility and just knowing that they're smashing it. Yeah. I kind of... Have you got plans? Have you got plans for another shop? Yeah, several. <laughs> cool. Yeah, so that'll be. Yeah, so um, we're looking at several major cities in the UK. They'll all be high street ones or just off high street. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. They've gone really well, actually. There's been a really good response to them, and I think there is a bit of a resurgence of high street stuff in general going on now. Do do you get any push or grumblings or anything with the fact that, like, you know, if we take example for for Nottingham, you are about a three and a half minute walk away from Games Workshop store. How does how does that sit within it all? Is that that okay? Do, do well, it's no. So we we spoke to them really open and, and friendly about it. And the things, if you look at what is the best place to to put something, unless it's London, which is massive Mm. if you look at the best place to put something you only have a few options in little uk towns generally and the menu prioritize like bus route public transport if you get a map you basically end up with like four streets yeah so it's almost impossible to avoid anyway um and i would not be surprised if more stores of a certain type popping up in an area just grows it as a whole anyway villages or whatever and there's seven there's seven outdoor clothing shops in a row yeah they all seem to be doing fine. I think there's definitely, you know, if somewhere is more of a destination for one reason, I think people end up building the list of things they could visit that help them getting a bus into town or whatever for the first time. So we've not had any kickback from it, no. And um, so much of what we shift is, like, it's unbelievable how much paint sells from there. Well, it's not because yeah. of your reaction to it. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> yeah, yeah there's, a, there's a big, big world out there of alternate hobby products now that I think is a huge part of it yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah. You're yeah, silly f- my eyes. You're further down the hobby trumpet. Uh, yeah. 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 I'm definitely deep down in that trumpet right now. <laughs> <Ooh. So. laughs> Using liquid pigments as well now. Ooh. Yeah. Still get mad yeah. around those. They're interesting. Oh, there's so many things. That using, um, I remember years ago seeing someone using dry pigments to do shading on a model. Yeah. Um, my, my mind just being blown. That's oh, it was like, like Ford World style? Well, but like, like on an, it, was a, it was on an ogre and he was d- using pink on flesh to make to do the shading. Oh. And pink and brown, I remember thinking, oh my God, that's nuts, but it's just, half this stuff's just military techniques. Yeah, yeah. And oh my God, it's brand new. It's not, it's like 70 years old. Yeah, and it involves yeah. like, you know, something that has been made by the same company for all of that time period. Or yeah. Do you think that um, the painting in the miniature community is is almost quite, Insular. Completely. Yeah. Because it's it's people who aren't artistic. Yeah. For a lot a lot of it. Um so you, you end up with people who haven't come in like craft world did come by a fine art, you can tell. Mm. Right? People haven't taken that route to get here, which is but also games workshop and edge highlighting. I think a lot of things go together. So like if something needs to be instantly appreciable from 
three inches, three feet and six feet away, it looked great in any lighting on any table colour. Mm. And for someone who's never liked art in their life to go, that looks good. Yeah. Yes. You have to do certain things. So I think all of it kind of, it feeds into the same thing. Now you do have, you know, the world of proper fancy painting is growing and growing and growing massively. So there are more influences coming from outside, but you've still got the same people in general coming in. And mm. maybe they're people who've never, you know, done a drawing. Yeah. yeah. I used to work with a load of people in the art painting team that had never, I mean, I went to art college, went to university. Yeah. Um, they never did that, but they've learned from copying and right. seeing what other people have done and, you know, learning from their mistakes. I mean, Duncan was, did archaeology. Sure. So <laughs> he was like, that's what he wanted to do. Then he walked into the shop and had no artistic preference. He just liked painting toy soldiers. Yeah, yeah. And he now runs his own company selling paints and making paints and all sorts of yeah, nonsense. Yeah. So, you know, it doesn't matter what your background is. If you, if you're into it, you're you into just it. get in and start obsessing, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cause I guess, I guess the GW way of painting is quite a mechanical format to get non painters to, to paint models. It It's like photography. It's for yeah. box packaging. Yeah. It's to look nice. Yeah. It's to look good. When and it works for their paints. Yes, yeah. Like it yeah. Works, their, their style works particularly well because the satin paint will, ref- if it's a backpack or something, yeah. the satin paint will reflect off it nicely, but then yeah. you also have a nice edge. Yeah. Whereas if that was a matte paint, you, you, you this is why the display painters are using ultramatte varnish mm. so well. Your model is exactly how you paint it, and those NMM highlights are exactly where you put them. Yeah. And if there is a mistake, it's your fault. And if it's excellent, it's your fault. Not, yeah. you know, this light that's shining on that. Yeah. yeah. Like satin paints, yeah. they're rounded. They do look great as well. You put a space screen anywhere. Yes. And it's just going to shine according to the room. Because, yeah, I've seen even to a certain extent on like you go on the website uh, and you have the 360 ones and you're like, oh, that looks awesome. I wonder how they've done that. And you drag the 360 and then you're like, oh, it's the reflections. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I had that many times when I've done a great example on live. Rob Symes was doing a battle report with me. I was playing with mm. my Stormcast Citizen Sigma stuff and I had um, a steam tank, which I painted gold because I was just going full on. Oh, like, yeah. Oh, everything's gold and <coughs> silver. So I did the steam tank. It was just a big block of gold, some colours on there. I had some crew because I'd been inspired by Band of Brothers. So it was like an archer pointing like, it's there beyond the hay bale, sir. He's like, I can't bloody see it. I can't bloody shoot it. So I've got like, that like little scene from Band of Brothers going on top of this steam tank. But it's gold. It's just like sprayed retributor armour, washed. And then as soon as it's on this 360, it looks like the most amazing. Yeah, yeah. So many people commenting, how did you do that gold? I was like, I sprayed it <laughs> and I washed it. <laughs> dry brushed it. <laughs> no, that's not right. You've, you've done all these blends. You've done all this like layering. I was like, I really haven't. <laughs> my, reflective, my reflective paint is shiny. Yeah, it's yeah. looking great. It looks yeah. amazing. It looks that's amazing. underused actually. I think there's a, there's a really big difference between uh, inspiration and intimidation. And especially with Instagram these days, people confusing the two, but also people are doing things for photos that aren't necessarily relevant for a typical painter's models in person mm. on a table and the obsession there's nothing wrong with matte paints they're great and if you are trying to control exactly where this goes they're better than a satin paint it doesn't make satin paints bad but there's definitely this leaning towards like matte is good mm. and you know looking at things at a tiny level and really caring about that and people are kind of ignoring like the finish of a model as a thing because it should be matte because that's what good people use um, which is stupid and also repetition mm. like repetition has been it's been completely forgotten as a skill and it is a skill like that's a tree that's a forest yeah that tree didn't get better but it looks better right and that's mm. the same with completely average consistent painting times by 20 for 20 dudes well that's when when um when 
I bought my son Dark Imperium and it was Death Guards and it was <coughs> Space Marines. And yeah. then I realized after painting a couple of Death Guards, I thought <laughs> these are going to soak up a lot of time. And I've also got to paint the good guys as well. That I, might, I went to myself, they're going to be silver yeah, yeah. because it will take so much of the highlighting off them. Will you know, I highlight the characters to some degree, they come up a bit. But the rank and file, they're not getting... I'm just going to yeah. spray paint them lead belcher and stick stuff on them, and yeah. that'll... Because I just haven't got the time to paint two armies at once, and, and you know, you you have to, whether you want to, apply more time to, to Death Guard when they're covered in teeth and tentacles, where you don't Completely. have to do that with a standard. There used marine. to be flat colours everywhere. Like, my, I mentioned my first White Dwarf. In that, there's multiple Space Marine armies that are literally three colours mm. and based. Yeah. Mm. And in a photo... On a on a scenery, they just look great. Yeah. Look absolutely fine because they they still got nice shapes. Yeah, and it's still cool models. So you could do that and then wash it, and that would be completely fine. But I do think that there's this kind of this vast like inner contradiction within the industry at the moment, which is like contrast or display, and then nothing in between. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's yeah. unnecessary levels of judgmentalness that don't oh, need yeah. to be there. Well, that makes my thing better if I say your thing's worse. That's how being a geek works, isn't it? Yeah, oh, yeah. And it's yeah. sad, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll enjoy mine more if I say that you're enjoying yours wrong. So. <laughs> <laughs> right, and the thing is, is we're in such a niche thing, we all should so be doing sad, the opposite, which is getting further together instead yeah, yeah, yeah. of just trying to push ourselves apart. People it? are so nice as well. You go to shows and everyone is lovely, right? Like you, um, yeah. UK Games Expo, you just meet everyone and everyone is just a really, really, really nice person. So you wonder yeah. where all the idiots come from? <laughs> <laughs> Keyboards. <laughs> Maybe when they go home, they're still like Jackal and Hyde. Yeah. Like, ah, no. <laughs> no, yeah. God, they've gone like, oh, you do, the way you dry brush on that's amazing. And go, I hate dry brushing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Pete the Wargamer, your conversion's rubbish. Um, yeah, no, I'm sure it's he Pete lovely. <laughs> yeah, oh, Pete yeah, yeah, is so yeah. nice, isn't yeah. he? Yeah, yeah. I, so younger than I expected. Yeah, I remember the first I don't time. Know why, what I was, oh, why he's got I that, he's got that mature orator's voice, hasn't yeah, he? Yeah, he's, yeah, he's, no, got, that, he's got that soothing baritone. He's telling me facts. What yeah. is he saying? It doesn't matter, it's facts. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If you yeah, say yeah, it so smoothly, calmly and deeply. There's a few of them that have got yeah. really great voices. He, he, does, he always found, I always think Pete sounds like in another life he would curate a museum somewhere. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah, you know, mm. He's got that sort of voice, doesn't he? Telling you about history or something. Him and Henry... Henry oh, Henry. oh yeah. Henry Henry's a, like the slightly theatrical version and then yeah. like but Henry's just the version. nicest star to any video isn't it hello Henry here yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. <laughs> I, I, I'd love cup to, of tea I'd love to get Henry on, on uh, here and just get him to start yeah. Uh, or, or would be like, everyone. yeah, or just be like, hi, hey, it's PG, it's Pat, it's Jeff. Hi, guys, Henry here. Yeah. <laughs> We've got a few. We like Pete, we like Henry, we like uh, Balthasar Gold from the painting coach. Yeah, yeah. And that's it, yeah. I, I, I was thinking about this earlier. I was like, the, I think the thing I pick up on is, I guess, in the videos that are like only hands, you concentrate on the voice like a, yeah, lot, a yeah. lot more. Um, and the ticks that people have, and the way they say things, and all that sort of stuff. Like the after Richard mentioned it, he did where his wife um, yeah, I love that. did I watched it, that did a video, really and she got all of his ticks down, yeah, and those yeah. like those exasperated yeah, noises like, that he makes, <laughs> and, and he's like, oh, I, can't, I can't remember I anything. This. <laughs> and I spent far too long here, so you probably want to do it like this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and it was amazing. And I found myself like uh, I was just like drifting off to sleep because like oh, it was so good. Um, it's a great job. We have some Patreon questions. Sure. If that is okay. Uh, we have quite a few. In fact, um, if I remember right, we've got a cheeky question in there from Peter Wargamer. Oh, do we? <laughs> you we do nice. indeed. Oh, it's a very fantastic. cheeky question. Um, oh, that's what I'll, t- I'll see if I can find it. 
but uh, Clarky asks, uh, as as he he got in there with first, so I'll definitely read out his question. Uh, what are your key tips for brush care? I I've always been tentative about getting expensive, in quotation marks, mm-hmm. brushes. Anything that isn't one pound from Hobbycraft, as I'm worried, <laughs> oh, I'll forget to clean it and it will be ruined. Oh dear. <laughs> um, well, number one, obviously those brushes are probably worth as much as you spent on them. But yeah, safe in the knowledge that they are. Um, use a bigger brush. So like this, volume is resilience. And I think this is where all discussions about brushes for typical painting should begin because it's like a pizza. If I offer you a nine inch or a 12 inch pizza, one's three inches bigger, but it's double the volume every time. And we won't get a nine inch pizza. So every time the brush gets bigger, it's getting like 200% more resilient. So mm. the difference between like a one and a three is like 400% volume, which is also its life expectancy how much abuse it can take, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So size is the best place to start. And just get one really good one and do look after it. And anything that you think, oh, I'll just, like I'll just leave it in there, in that paint pot. Mm. If mm. there's the word just involved, no. Can I yeah. just add, that was the the great, because I've been a bit of a brush abuser. I don't know, I'd always make sure they went in a, in a pot, but they went in, you know, that way. Yeah. And by... When I bought my first set from you, the the box instantly makes you behave better. There's a negative shape there. Put it in its house. Yeah, yeah. it's ex- it, you know it really is ridiculously that simple. Like you go, oh, that just makes oh, me behave better because it has a place to be. Yeah, and you know, and so I think you, it, it's absolutely right. It's just you, you just just something feeling special yeah. creates you your ability to to Completely. be special in how you look after it. Yeah. yeah, a place for everything, everything in its place. Just pop it in its house. Use a big one, and they will. If things go wrong as well, you can, it's a natural product, you can bring it back to life. So shampoo will work, our brush soap will work. Mm. You can do quite a lot to revitalise something. A big one is best. Mm. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, Lesson says, your tutorials are fantastic. So firstly, just wanted to say a big thank you. Uh, my biggest problem with dry brushing has been the chalkiness, and as I improve, this has made the process much more enjoyable. Uh, On to the question, I like to believe that secretly off-camera you detest dry brushing (laughs) and can't stand the sight of it. Can you confirm? No, I can't. (laughs) I really like it. I love it. And I I still discover stuff about it, Mm. like, shockingly regularly. Actually, Mm. I I will have big realisations about how it works and how I can improve it. I do like combining it more than we do on the channel. And that is the fault of nerds, because if I use anything else that isn't a dry brush, they'll say it's because of the yeah. airbrushing that's yeah, involved yeah. or whatever. But I think hopefully we've built up enough faith now that because we used to have to belabor the point a bit, especially when it was more new mm. um, as a concept or, you know, as a, as a widely known concept, like I didn't invent it. Um, in fact, if you want to see who the forefather was, there's an artist called Bohun. Don't know if any of you know of him. No. He's worth checking out. It's incredible. He's not so active these days, but... He's been amazing for like two decades. Um, but yeah, I do like combining it more than we do. But when we started out, just to make sure people knew it definitely was the dry brushing, you know, hence 100% dry brush, great, unclean one or whatever, we just did that mm. because then there was no room for people thinking that it was the space of the wash mm. or the airbrush yeah. that had a part of it. And actually, if you combine techniques, they will all teach you about dry brushing and dry brushing will teach you all about them. Like airbrush technique and dry brush technique are really similar. So as like lighting or angle or positioning yeah. goes. Yeah. You use an airbrush a lot more like a dry brush than you do like a painty brush. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. That's, yeah. Oh, that's really cool. Um, Scott asks a simple question. He says, when selecting an undercoat, 
do you choose a lighter undercoat or lighter for lighter colours and a darker undercoat for richer ones or do you mix and match depending on the final result you desire? Oh dear, I'm not going to give a simple answer to this. That's a good question. So generally I work from Chaos Black because of its properties. We just yeah. discussed that earlier. Yeah. It's great. I'll still do that and then put something else over the top of it. If you're if you're wanting to affect an area really fast, really efficiently, then maybe start with a grey or something like mm. we discussed. If you're, if you're about to do a beige cloth or something like that. But generally my painting goes from deep, dark and cool up to lighter and warmer. That's a pretty consistent okay. theme in my dry brushing, actually. So even a great unclean one down here. Yeah, he started sense. off like blue-purple and he ended up lime green. Yeah, sure, let's show him off. <laughs> this is so... This is the one from the channel where people think we fuzzed out his head. He's <laughs> <laughs> working for you anonymous. You need some yeah. googly eyes on that. Right. <laughs> Every, like, there's, there's some old videos, and now at this point, I think about 10% of the comments are, why have you fuzzed out his head? That's brilliant. He's not in witness protection. <laughs> uh, but um, again, I, I just mentioned uh, airbrushing. So from the bottom, he's purple bottom and from the top he's pretty light green yeah, yeah. and then you got that that's that's airbrushing tech just applied entirely to dry brushing yeah but deep dark cool base and then it's gone up to a much lighter warmer one and then you get a transition in uh the warmth of the color as well as the depth of the color um so that's kind of my default something that's really useful is like heavy overbrushing. Um, so if you, you you want dark recesses because you don't want light shadows because they look bad and you're not going to contrast it or something, a heavy overbrush, which is dry brushing but with more paint on it and you do it quite a large area, like the start of Slap Chop, I guess, that's a brilliant technique. It's just so underused. Yeah. As is base coating by hand, actually, with a dry brush. Yeah, yeah. By just a huge area you can get done in no it's time It's very smooth as well. Yeah, yeah, I've really always smooth. found that. Yeah. Because I str I've struggled in the past with uh, trying to apply smooth base coats onto like space marines and stuff like that and yeah, yeah struggle quite a lot it's a hard um, one that's why airbrushes are great because it's yeah. it's a task where you you can only be rewarded up to like your minimum acceptable quality for how much time you put in you're like oh put in tons of time like, cool that's acceptable let's go you're not going to make it better or better or go above you mm. know and airbrushing or finding an efficient way to dry brush or smush your base coats great for that yeah cool uh, Martin asks, any plans to bring back Face Hammer as a podcast or online show? I understand it won't be the same, but I miss that kind of commentary in the AOS scene. Ooh. So that was uh, the podcast. So I've not played uh, AOS for a while. We did used to have four of us. Terry stopped playing, continued painting. Les joined the Army Painters team at GW, actually, Les Martin. Um, and then there was myself and Russ left, and we haven't played as much AOS recently. I've not played mm. AOS for a while, actually. did one... One tournament in the last year um we might do russ and i have been chatting um and russ is really good at producing armies as well paints quite a lot like me so we might come back with some stuff that's a bit more how to get a tournament army on the table mm. which is that's that's my roots actually old world's around the corner isn't it so les mentioned a tournament actually mm. i don't I would go to an event with those guys. And that, and that was that was specifically his question was, there isn't going to be an event at some point. Would you guys come to this? Yeah. And I absolutely would. Yeah. I do like, I like that aesthetic as well. I really yeah. do. Been uh, swatting up on Total War 3 and getting ideas <laughs> for Old World. That's where Pete gets loads of his ideas from Total War, doesn't he? Like yeah. When he does like a crazy crab <laughs> necropolis thing or whatever. Like, I've been playing a computer game and here's a crazy thing. <laughs> <laughs> 
You're right, struggling for anything that's not cheese related. No, 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 no. <laughs> it's got to be asked um, at some point. So yeah. I'm always imagine. No, no. Um, we've got a bunch of questions from Micah. I'll read out one of them that just says, "Can I have a job?" Um, <laughs> what are your skills, Micah? Do you like Do you like woodwork? <laughs> if you live close to Stockport, we are always open to CVs. Mm. Our team's growing fast, actually. Oh, there we go. Yeah, and that's for uh, that's a fair AO. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Woodwork at Element Games. <laughs> Build this shelf. Um, no. Okay. Wonderful. Um, oh, we talked about synthetic. Uh, well, what are your thoughts on synthetic sable? Is it there yet? Not quite, but it, yeah. it, it is by far the best it's ever been. Yeah, it really is. Um, I think the growth of the industry. Like, you need uh, the last the last one that came out about product design was really interesting because you need demand and you need money to make stuff happen. And our industry is tiny. And it's big how we think about it but yeah the growth of our industry and the need for really good brushes at a small scale which basically just barely exists anywhere else because mm. um, it just doesn't matter as much for watercolors or you know something even though they use the same brushes our industry growing should have enough clout to at least increase the speed at which the yeah. development yeah. happens yeah you just I... have to have a huge amount of money behind it though yes yeah i can imagine i remember walking into hobbycraft shortly after i'd started painting and, and like painting phase was starting to happen and I was just like oh my god all the brushes are huge yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, it's, it's like size 6 which to us seems like that's literally the biggest brush in our range is a 6 that's, yeah. that's yeah. a standard brush yeah. now we have been closely following it and trying out a lot of stuff and there's some that are really good Yeah, but at the same time we're, we're just very aware that someone's going to buy a brush and it, it isn't going to be a Kalinsky brush mm. Yeah, and that's noticeable if you used one so. yeah yeah would you yeah, so you'd prefer to wait until it's similar and then using, start doing it? I'm using it, some at home which are the best they've ever been and they are really, really close. Yeah. But they're not exactly the same. No. Yeah. So you'd be reluctant to do it until they were, yeah. As close same. as they can get, yeah, basically. Yeah. Mm, very good. Um, Barton asks, are there any other techniques that you've been meaning to try with respect to dry brushing? People have asked me about oils, actually. And from what I understand, which is fairly limited using oils is really really similar to how i'm already doing it mm. oh right you kind of you can stipple things off and the paint stays workable yeah. for longer and i my way of making the of doing the same thing is just to work incredibly fast mm. you'll know this so the quicker you work the less time your paints have to dry the more you can get away with and it just encourages you to do things fast anyway which i kind of need to do as a matter of necessity anyway but oils do that but without the rush because they've just slowed themselves down yeah so yeah. yeah i would love to try oils but i'd be starting at like absolute ground zero yeah yeah Slight change in topic, only ever so slightly. Joe asks, what's your favourite Pokemon? <laughs> Jigglypuff. Is that going to be the new cheese? Is that going to be the new cheese? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. They've doctored it for me, for my bananas. Yeah. Um, I'll just go with Pikachu. It's, it's unimaginative, but it was obviously the best. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know enough about Pokemon other than Jigglypuff. Did you see the Pikachu, Pikachu um, someone did the yeah. squig? Oh, I did. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wasn't and that it's awesome? good as well. And the fact really that he's put good. a baseball cap on the York yeah. as well. Oh, it's amazing. Have you guys actually ever seen, um, I probably mentioned before, the Toy Story 40k? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So good. Someone the other day did um, a load of Orc trucks and they did one of them as the, the green sports car. Oh, uh, yeah. But then the other one that they did Speedy. next to it, which was amazing, they did, um, they did an Orc truck that was designed to look like the... Um, Whatever they were called, the 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 gang in the most recent Mad Max movie. Oh wow! You know the oh, ones where they're all is the is the painter Orc Butt? 
Yeah, and they're all yeah. the, the orcs are all really, really pale. You know, like uh, the way they wear, yeah, and yeah. you know, and the silver bits on their faces yeah. and that, and, they, and they've done that. that like, yeah, it's done to look like <laughs> that. It was fantastic. There's um, there's a certain if you buy a VW bug at a certain scale, it's exactly right to fit on the chassis. Yes, uh, um, it's a it's a like a known specific, and it, they used to be too big, but as things have got bigger, it's it now works. It wouldn't have on an old orc one, but it does on a new orc one, and now you can just buy it. Get rid of everything that isn't the shell. Do whatever you like to the shell, and it looks brilliant. Oh, it looks really good. I'll find you a picture after. Yeah, yeah, it looks yeah, absolutely. This, yeah, I've seen um, the orc vehicles look fantastic. Yeah, they're really, really good. And somebody did the um, uh, the the leagues of Votan to look like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Um, oh yes, yeah, I remember yeah, that. Yeah, that yeah, was good stuff. Yeah. Um, someone has asked. You can refuse to answer it. What is your best-selling brush? Art, well, so it, it used to be, and probably still is, one of the small ones, so a zero. And yeah. I think that is that is people's default detail size, but also it's smaller, so it's less resilient. We do have a completely different buying pattern online to in-shows, though. Mm. And it literally goes from zero to three, mm. like a complete flip-flop. Because oh, wow. in person, people are handed the bigger brush to start with. Yeah, because otherwise they'll go and they'll pick a tiny little thing, you know, like a like a, a psycho brush or an insane detail, yes, or, you yeah. know, whatever the the standard naming protocols are for them. Um, pointless brush. Um, <laughs> yeah, I agree. I've never used mine. <laughs> like soon to be dead brush. If you're using heavy paints on it, and every paint is heavy these days. Um, yeah. So yeah, people are handed the biggest brush that is still reasonable, which is a three, a show, yeah. and then from there they'll go and look at others. And normally the response is like, oh, that's. The this point's still got a good point, yeah. exactly right. Yeah. The business end is still the business mm. end. Yeah, yeah. fantastic. Uh, someone has asked, "When are you going to start doing dry brushing classes at Adepticon?" I think you already do. Oh, right? that's, well, no, I don't. I'm really glad oh. someone's asked that. Actually, so we are we are seriously looking into classes in the future, and this is something that we're um, next year. We will probably it'll probably be next year that you'd see the first ones. But if people would be interested in that. Um, please keep asking us because it's going to be hard work to make it happen. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. Seeing it on repeat would definitely make that more likely to happen. We'll probably try some out in the UK, but we're lacking in shows, sadly. Yeah. Um, and so it's actually more likely that the first time it happens, it would be in the States. Mm. Yeah. Even though logistically that's a bit more work. But we would love to do it in person and in person is special. And also me and Pete, oddly, have been doing some private classes, um, group ones, yeah. to practice so we are we are getting more experienced yeah, yeah oh that's interesting uh dan asks uh if i had a hundred thousand pounds to open a hobby shop how long would it be before i was out of business <laughs> <laughs> oh that uh, attitude very yeah. soon yeah. <laughs> i think he might be he's buying his own stock i, th- I think he's building his if, own uh, stock i think he might be if um if he's going by the industry standard somewhere between uh nine and 18 months or vat registration yeah <laughs> Yeah, VAT, we, yeah, VAT registration is like quite a big hurdle to get it's over a, initially. It's I think, a scary isn't thing it? For people, yeah, yeah. especially yeah. in the UK. Yeah, yeah, twenty percent of your turnover just goes bloop. Yeah, gone. Um, okay, um, someone that we might know, Pete the Wargamer, um, asks, <laughs> "What is your favourite type of brush, and why is it the flat dry brush?" <laughs> <laughs> I told you, <laughs> we love you, Pete. He's so cheeky, isn't he? <laughs> I don't know what to say to that. 
<laughs> I can't say anything nasty about him. He's too nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Then you meet him in person, he's even nicer. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's got a dark really streak after asking that question. Yeah. I'll, do, yeah, I'll, do, I'll say something nasty for everyone. How, how dare you, Pete? I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll repay him more than he's more than he's due by saying you should keep your eyes on his stuff for a possible product release at some point. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's exciting. It's cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's cool. I don't know if I know about it. Oh, I'll well, tell, tell you. I'll tell you after. Yeah. Well, he, he, released some, he released some stuff out to the public, didn't he? I think so. Maybe a little bit of merch, but this is this is stuff. Oh, he, I, I've seen heads on heads on hooks. Oh, yeah, maybe that. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And, okay, next question. Uh, if you could dry brush any biscuit, which would you choose? <laughs> a hobnob because it wouldn't fall apart. <laughs> nice. It's got a lot of texture to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. got a lot of texture to it. Oh, here we go. Which, like, obligatory favourite cheese question? Used Zero. to be Manchego, yeah, a decade ago. It was Manchego. Yeah. Or anything really strong, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Have you given it up? I've not. I've not eaten cheese for 11 years. Wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. Interesting, yeah. Just bananas, that's it. Just bananas. Yeah. Just bananas. 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 Colin Colin yeah, yeah. Colin that's it. Bananas. We buy all these sweets, but, like, opening the packets, like, on the show would be just so loud. Yeah. yeah. Um, right, penny in the backside. Um, love the paintbrushes. I have a set of S and D. Uh, your method of dry brushing has inspired me. How I can paint my Leviathan set. What inspired your painting style? Mm. If I like, if I summarised it as a journey, it was dipping, which probably needs explaining these days. Actually, which mm. is where you basically got like fence varnish. <laughs> you put it. Yeah, sounds crazy, doesn't it? But you put it all over your model, having painted the model slightly lighter than you wanted it to end up being. So if you were to paint the entire thing with devil and mud, I guess that's an all right comparison. So I did that, worked out that was efficient, worked out it was restrictive and things went a bit brown. Then I started highlighting it over that to counter the brown. And then the washes came out, the shades. And I started mixing paints into those basically to make my own contrast. And that's where I, I did do everything turquoise. Did you do everything turquoise? turquoise. Yeah, mine was a long turquoise phase. So that's where this is actually one of the earliest things I dry brushed Ooh. at a high standard. That's where my army ended up coming out. So that's me making my own custom washes. Actually, uh, that's lovely. Awesome. It's really nice. Cool tiger, pieces. Uh, tiger butt. Yeah, how tiger butt. How to hide mistakes. I love this model. <laughs> I've got so one myself. Right. I, I went to. I didn't realise I, I went quite bright with it and ended up looking like a She-Ra's Pegasus. <laughs> I was like, okay, it's fine. <laughs> it's, it's just quite bright, but this not wrong with that. Oh, no, there's nothing wrong with it. Not it's just, uh, it wasn't the, what, <laughs> <laughs> what, it wasn't the, wasn't the game plan when you started. <laughs> not at all. So that was, uh, I'll give you the rear view because it's actually the best view. Oh, oh. You also get his shield, which has got a wolf on it. Um, but yeah, that was, that informed a lot of my painting was um, painting feathers and stuff like that. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it looks awesome. Bone at the front as well. It's lovely. Uh, how long do your dry brushes normally last? It takes me about three evenings of intensive painting to change a nice U-shape of one of my D-series, the small one, into a V-shape. Does that mean I'm doing something wrong? Too much water, too much paint. Yeah. So yeah. It is the, the water is... Yeah, there's too much water being involved or too much paint or slightly too much of both and possibly should be using a larger brush. The rules that stand for normal brushes, using the biggest one you can apply for all brushes. Like Basically, if you can reach the area that you need to reach and do what you need to do, then the brush is fine. You don't step down a brush because you need to do it like a, mm. you know, a smaller detail or something like that. 2,000 points is what I expect to get out of a brush. Yeah. Minimum. 
Interesting. Cool. Good way to go. Yeah. Uh, Gunwich just says dry brushing is not a crime. Exclamation. <laughs> Hopefully not. I'm going to um, check. <laughs> so next match for your t-shirt. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, no, we need to keep that one. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Has Peach? Has Peach? He paid you yet, my cast? Oh, uh, he did. We well, did. Yeah. 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 In public. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. With, with an audience, probably without consent as well. <laughs> no, probably. Um, <laughs> He's quite gentle though. <laughs> that doesn't make it okay um, how do you clean a dry brush and how do I get it dry enough to paint again mine sometimes get too wet don't, other times too dry don't clean it like that don't submerge it in water so use the washboard on your some type of surface that is textured that could be your model um, a little bit of moisture and some soap and you basically do exactly the same thing as dry brushing because dry brushing is taking a little bit of moisture and removing paint according to texture from your brush. I just described cleaning your brush. They're both the same thing. So act as if you're dry brushing an area and use that as a way to start. Yeah, I now, I now hold that sheet in my hand religiously, even though I think I know exactly what you've written on it. Every time I go to, to wash it, I go, where's the piece of paint? <laughs> <laughs> it's, again, it's, that, that's what I've always done. Never really like going, oh yeah, that's yeah. how you do it with, with the wet paint just work it until yeah. it's dry and go over and that's how I've always like that piece of wood or even like the um, the cutting mats I used to use the cutting yeah, mats yeah. a lot they used to end up having loads of texture yeah on completely them. they were great terrible when managers came along going what the hell's going on for your cutting mat the best thing <laughs> is to not put as much it's like an engine just don't put as much mileage through it so less paint on less paint off that yeah. type of stuff it all it all, all abuse your brush slightly less and if you don't ever soak paint down into the middle and you don't ever need to try and get water down into the middle to remove the paint, which is yeah, it's always kind of a, a losing mm. battle, really. Mm. Um, L Smith coming in with the serious questions. Do you ever just go and hide in the shelves and stuff at Element? <laughs> <laughs> I would. <laughs> Going and doing that is why my cupboard of shame is just... Ba my cupboard of shame is so extreme now that it is separated by Grand Alliance... <laughs> it had to have order. <laughs> so, literally, there's four shelves and it's separated by Grand Alliance. Amazing. Um, overflow. Brilliant. Yeah. Um, a statement from Stephen. I bought a set of your brushes and they're great. Sadly, they did not come with a bucket of talent. Oh, um, no. Adam Langford. On <laughs> which Artisopris brush do you recommend for brushing your teeth? Um, <laughs> <laughs> new range like, we should have mentioned at the beginning that our, 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 our patrons can be a little bit left field that's absolutely <laughs> fine that's fine so when we come out with a weathering brush that one yeah yeah, yeah. Be cool. oh, fantastic field, in the other field <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so well we I mean, I mean we've we've got I mean this one potentially even further when choosing your favourite trees which brush do you use uh, so <laughs> extra large D <laughs> by yeah. default yeah why not um uh, oh, they got. Oh, someone said, as a retailer in the UK, you might not have any insight, but do you have any idea why the US version of Leviathan is almost eighty quid more than it is in the UK? I'm currently going through immigration and I've been holding off on large purchases, but the price difference is daft. Currency is complications. At least you're not Australian, yeah. mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, yeah. they're it's really shafted, aren't they? I've heard yeah. so much from the poor Australians. And also as well, and as well to some degree as well, it, it will all. Some of it will be reflected in the wages that are being paid out to people who handle things along the way as well. Well, yeah. if you look at other countries, though, like so, when I 
when I did the ETC, so the European Team Championship, playing Warhammer, um, some of the countries there, if you looked at the price, I think we used a lot of change as a metric at the time, it was in months of wages that you could look at oh, wow. as well. I mean, as soon, as soon as you go to like uh, Eastern Europe or something like that, yeah. you really have to put things in perspective. And that's one of the reasons why there's such... People asked, why do you lock lists in so early? So people can practice with lists. But also, so something new doesn't come out that, you know, people have to like <laughs> spend four months worth of wages on buying two of mm, in yeah. order to be able to compete at an international level. So, yeah, there's, um, there's people who've got it even worse than Australians, yeah, believe yeah. it or not. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Not a cheap hobby. No, not at all. I remember reading uh, about shipping that apparently, like, perhaps pre-COVID, um, that ship shipping to China was so cheap and economical that it was cheaper for Scottish salmon farmers to ferry the salmon off to China to have them all filleted and cut up into you know something edible beds of ice yeah and then ship it back than have it done in Scotland like just down the road that's crazy yeah, yeah. shipping yeah. containers are about four times what they were as well yeah yeah it's crazy that is absolutely wild. Um, Matt asks how do you achieve such buttery smooth dry brushing I've watched a lot of your YouTube videos but I can't seem to achieve the smooth result use a bigger brush use satin paints stipple put less paint on take less paint off yeah 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 fantastic um, ooh your videos show how versatile a dry brush can be even for jobs lots of people would use an airbrush for are there things you would still favour an airbrush for um, putting a base coat in a really three-dimensional model. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And um, trying to, you can still use your dry brush at angles, but if you're like trying to suggest lighting or something, or hit a model from a particular aspect, that's that is more complicated to do. <clears throat> Using the airbrush as like a stencil and then following what the airbrush did mm. is yeah. a brilliant thing to do actually. And oh, people cool. should do more, and we will be doing more on the channel actually. Yeah, I've arbitrarily picked a hundred k for when we'll start mixing techniques up so when that happens gloves are off <laughs> efficiency <laughs> mode the trinity is coming up yeah <laughs> oh that'll be fun yeah oh that's very interesting wonderful those are all of the questions uh, that I feel comfortable reading out yeah? <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> with, with some dark ones <laughs> <laughs> don't have to answer. Is that after hours? <laughs> yeah, there was an after hours one. We'll maybe. Uh... That's fair. <laughs> yeah, weirdly, sometimes I, I've, a few people have said to me, like, where do you highlight a model? How do you go about highlighting? And I often say, if you do like a, a little bit of a dry brush over it, yeah, yeah. it gives you some perfect places where you. you oh, completely. Add yeah. So personally, I keep it to the dry brush and maybe add a little bit of a highlight here and there, but it, it does help tell you work your steps out between it and have the colors that work well in that method you can do so much with like blob down a wash recesses covered yeah dry brush raised areas covered and then just one single manual yeah. you know bit here or there or on metallics that's that's often where you get those wins and you're like why did that work and it's because you put the last bit yeah in the right place yeah. with the, with the gold i tend to find that of like retributive <coughs> armor i do my wash because i with my stone cast i tend to use griff charger gray which is like a, a bit of a tealy kind of dark mm -hmm. tealy wash and then i just use auric armor and I don't fully layer everything. I just like pick out some of the yeah, top yeah. points, and it just makes it's the gold look amazing. It's really it's good. Top tip for it's like quick cartoon wins. drawing. They only use like four colors to suggest, you know, whatever without metallic paints. So yeah, it's very doable. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think awesome. We are done, aren't we? I think we're we're approaching the end. Thank you so much for. I mean, obviously you've got plenty more in there. Lots of little. What is that? Like little tiered back 
butts, little tyrannid oh. butts. Yeah. <laughs> Got some tyrannid butts. Anyway, oh yeah, this is the, the most oh. recent one. Oh yeah. Just hand people, hand people around. Oh, that's this a really is, nice little bit of effect on there as well. This is cheaty. Cheaty? So, that's so vibrant. Of these. Right? Oh, so that's cheaty. So oh, I want to start tyrannids now. So the banana's <laughs> oh. traditional. Like, I'm Byron. Talking <laughs> about highlighting here. So the banana has been <laughs> contrasted in my favourite way, which is contrast, shade, shade. Yeah. So you, you deepen it and you do everything slightly slower, but it turns out lots better. Then that's been highlighted traditionally. The one that we've got over there and here, um, we've highlighted once, and then we've just repeated our contrast in certain areas of the highlight, which is like the shaded areas. And basically your highlight ends up having variation in it, even though it's mm. one color. This is huge. This is something I'm gonna be pushing the living shit out of on the channel for a long time, because I think this the is- the episode flats up, isn't it? Um, Tonight. Tonight. Tonight, actually, yeah. So yeah. this is, I think, if people have just contrasted and they, they, they're like, I've kind of got this, I want to push a bit more, I think this is where people should be going next. Yeah. Really unintimidating. You use a single other colour, like yeah. a pastel, whatever, yeah. and you, then you just repeat stuff you've already done. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's how I do faces, weird. I, I tend to um, have a go-to for my Necromunda, which is I use Rakar Flesh, yeah. and then uh, shade it with uh, Gunman Flesh, a couple of yeah, thin yeah. coats of it, build it up, relayer the raised bits with Rakoff again. Yeah. Re-coat that Gulliman and then just use a final highlight of Rakoff. Two colours. Repetition, so is, repetition yeah. is so efficient and people view steps as complexity in time when actually being neat as complexity in yeah. time. It's, it's completely... So that's only highlighted once with one colour? So the, on that one, what I've done is I contrasted uh, turquoise in the dark bit yeah. and then I, I added a little bit of Imperial Fist to green yeah. and just did it on... Yeah, end bits. Yeah, but at no point did I like feather or anything like that. I just went blob and blob. Yeah, and because it's contrast and it's not opaque. Yeah, it, it looks like I've actually used skill. And I didn't use <laughs> skill. <laughs> That's the best way. Which is the which is the aim? Yeah, which in itself is a skill. It is. Yeah. <laughs> my skills knowing where I can get away without yeah, yeah. using any. Which yeah, which is a big skill because fantastic. I get this with like my one to ones and like just like through like conversations I've had with people, and they're like you know. I, I often call it cheating and yeah. you know, I cut corners and this and the other or and people say, no, it's not cutting corners. Cutting corners is like making, you, you deliberately you're leaving things wrong. Um, it's, it's efficiencies and stuff, but it is a skill set where you're like, how do I get a really cool effect with minimal effort so I've got more time to do other cool Completely. things? Completely. Um, it's a good skill and it's good that you're out there doing these. Repeating steps seven times. <laughs> it's, it's good, yeah. I mean, you know, having the channel... Obviously, the, the the two businesses you run. I, I, I guess Artist Opus is part of Element, or is it a separate? No, separate. Yeah, cool. yeah. I didn't want to put my foot in it. They're uh, twelve minutes apart, though. So geographically, <laughs> do you live in the middle? <laughs> <laughs> I live enough enough drive away that if I've had a bad day, I'm kind of forgotten about it by the time I get home, which is oh, the right distance. Yeah, yeah, that sounds twenty five minutes exactly right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much. Anything yeah. else you want to cover before we shoot? Today, um, yeah, but white dwarf. Oh, I did have one. It's, it's outside, though. I oh. like. I think that's. People should stop holding themselves to unrealistic standards in their painting and be really happy to get one thing to acceptable and then times it by five. Mm. This is something that's going to be making like a really firm appearance on their channel now and forever. Which is like we're trying to boil down to what matters and to teach people why we've done things more. Like more and more and more, we're leaning on education. And we'd really, really like to help people get to whatever their goal is, is in the amount of minis, whether mm. that's like a battle force or a warband or whatever. 
we'd like to help people get there. So we will be doing in-person classes as well, but on the channel, you'll see a lot of like really heavy leaning on simplicity and efficiency, but learning a little bit while we're doing it. Brilliant. Mm -hmm. If people aren't subbed, please sub. Yeah. yeah. Check out the brushes. They're good. Check out the shops. They're great. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's all true. And anyone who's bought any of it, thanks very much. We'll carry on doing what we're doing. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, pleasure. Yeah. Really appreciate it. Wonderful. Wonderful. And thanks for all the lessons in drivers. Hey, anytime. <laughs> yeah, can I have one? Yeah. <laughs>